golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no baby. Pardon my French. Shit. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Movies for a Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Aiken. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Kuiper. And Brian, are you ready for your soul douche that this episode is going to probably give us both? Well, I am so in need of one. I Me mean, too. like, badly. I think yes. this has been, the last couple of weeks have been something. Uh, but So I'm ready for my soul douche. I I'm... hope that everyone out in our listening audience is as well. Because the movies <laughs> we're, we're covering. We're going to try to bring you the best soul douche you've ever had. That we possibly can. Yes. <laughs> Obviously that gives a hint of the movie that we're talking about second. It's uh, yep. This episode's going to be a real tit flapper. Uh, <laughs> because we're. <laughs> We're talking, one of the movies we're talking about, we're going to save it for second because it's just kind of a fun, airy movie that I don't know how much we're even going to have to say about it. I but know. Second, we're going to talk about uh, Barb and Star, go to Vista Del Mar from 2021. So pretty recent movie. But then we're also going to talk about- What's the topic? First, well, we're talking, and that I think when you said the what the topic would be, that was the first movie that came to mind for me. Right. And because our topic is female buddy movies. Yep. So more like female friendship movies, I think, in this case. Yeah. So then my pick for that, we are going to definitely fill up the oopsie jar also um, with a simple favor from 2018. Do you like that? I liked that. The very first movie that we ever talked about. I know. This is really Which interesting. We'll because, never hear that. Yeah. You will never hear that audio because I'm sure uh, we will never listen to it again uh, no. because it was when we just started getting to know each other. It was sort of our practice run was uh, Michelle said, how about we watch this movie A Simple Favor so and just talk about it for half hour or so just to see how just to give us an idea of how the editing works and the recording process and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we gave that a try and that conversation was fine, but we're doing it again because now that we (laughs) are more in the groove of things and know what we're doing, we thought it'd be really great to revisit this movie. And I know that this is a one I hadn't seen before you brought it to me. I had heard of it, I believe, but I hadn't known anything about it. Uh, but I really like this movie. I think it's got some really interesting things to say. Is it a buddy movie? Not really. But it is a friendship movie in a very interesting kind of way. It explores that in a way that is really fascinating, I think. Uh, but I think can also be sort of 
truth telling in the way that it presents things. Even if, even though most mm-hmm. women um, and men don't have relationship like this, this is a uh, extreme, interesting. Yeah. It's ex- it's extreme, <laughs> but a, a lot of times in the extremes, you bring out the subtleties of real life. I think yeah. when you present them in an extreme way and like so like you said um when we first talked about this you didn't know me that well and you said before to me like off mic that you now that you know me you know why i love this movie so much (laughs) because it kind of has all my favorite things in it um it, it was one that i i hadn't really heard that much about but i mean it sounded like it was i saw like the the little teaser trailer does not nearly you know give away like everything that this movie encompasses you know but i just heard it was you know this uh, story of uh, Blake Lively like and Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively goes missing and it looks like a like more serious mystery type of thing but you know that's that was pretty much all I I thought it was and then I watched it and it is this bonkers like a twisty turny like play on the murder mystery or just mystery stuff in general and so freaking funny and yeah. so much um so much like bisexual energy as well that i loved mm-hmm. uh, obviously and it's it's just i don't know i don't uh, is, everything about it i just absolutely love it is so much fun it is such a joy to watch every single time it became uh, instantly became just like a comfort movie it was like you know what i want to watch a simple favor right now <laughs> So yeah. um, and I'm I'm glad that you like this one too because it's it's a weird one <laughs> definitely not and, and Barton Star is weird too but sometimes that can be just what you need and this movie is just what I need a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah. So the way this starts, I think, is sort of sets you up with how a lot of movies do this, where you start at one place and then you jump back. And mm-hmm. you learn what's happening. Well, this movie does that, but it gets it out of the way pretty quick, which I think is is good. It catches up with itself by the end of the yeah. first act rather than, you know, somewhere towards the end. And I much kind of prefer that. I mean, it's like if a it has a hook and then has a let's get you caught up section that brings us back around. Um, so I, I like that she's got this vlog which sets it in a time and place that is current. And I think that is another thing. There's no cheating in this movie. You can't just go, oh, we lost our cell phone signal, or this takes place in the 80s, so there are no cell phones, or, you know, any of that. And I appreciate that. But the way that Stephanie, played by Anna Kendrick, sort of sets this all up, hi, moms, you know, this is, (laughs) as you know, my best friend Emily is missing. And... But even before that, you get it's like you get a sense of what her character is supposed to be like just from the fact that she has a mommy vlog, you know, and that it's just called Hi Moms. So you get a sense of like who she's who they're trying to portray her as as, you know, oh, she's one of those moms that even when I kind of asked my sister about this, because I I made my family watch this movie with me too one time because Mm -hmm. I'm just like that. And they loved it, too. So I asked her, I was like, what do you think about those kind of moms? And she was just like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> you know like the whole pretty much they live they live for their kids and everything is about their kids and doing the most for their kids and you know um which is not a bad thing you know there's obviously you know different ways to parent it's whatever whatever you want to do whatever makes you happy in life but there is kind of that uh 
There's kind of a, yeah, what's the word? There's a superiority complex that right. comes with it. Right, there you it. go. And the thing is, I know parents like that, sorry, uh, who are just like, oh, you don't co-sleep with your kids? No, I don't <laughs> right? want my kids in my fucking room so that I can actually have time to sleep and be with my wife. They're not going to be able to sleep with me forever. No. Um, and <laughs> you don't homeschool your kids? No. They have public schools for that. You don't volunteer for everything and make Fuck food no. for Fuck no. I've got a job and party. a life. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie even kind of says something like that because um, she's explaining how she first met Emily, which was it was, you know, International Cuisine Day. And she brought her famous this Swedish meatless, meatless meat- meat- meatballs. <laughs> yeah. Meatless meatballs. Meatless yeah. <laughs> And the other parents that are there are like, oh, my God, like, she's such a good parent. Like, look how look how involved in everything she is. And but they're they talking also about, like, <laughs> I know they also hate her because and Stephanie has that thing where she's like, I can bring my helium tank. What's you don't have a helium tank. Are you a bad parent? Kids, kids <laughs> <kidding>. love balloons. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and that's one of the things that Stephanie doesn't seem to take into any kind of account either is because not all kids are the same just because. Uh. Her kid is this way. It doesn't mean that all of them. And, you know, that's one of the things that's funny about this movie is there's not a lot with the, the interacting with the kids in this movie. <laughs> you know, they've got some funny moments, though. They, they really they really do. <laughs> they really do. But the, the kids are kind of, you know, the fact that they're moms is just a, a, an important part of it. But it is not the focus of the movie either anyway i feel like i've tangented this enough <laughs> well you also get from this scene too like that she's kind of the the helicoptery parent too when the kids are playing um her kid is uh miles and emily's yeah. is nikki and she's they're just playing like normal kids do and she's like oh be careful with your fingers you know playing with the yeah. trucks and mm-hmm. like don't smash your fingers and it's like oh my god yeah i know <laughs> so they set up her and then they when they bring in Blake Lively's character Emily who I must say okay yes I have a huge crush on Blake Lively and she appears like a freaking goddess <laughs> into this movie like stepping out of the car into the rain in her pinstripe you know suit and umbrella and hat and everything I'm sorry I think she's gorgeous I love her <laughs> and she's great in this movie she is yeah equally sexy and hilarious and just like everything that she needs to be as is Anna Kendrick who I know that you for me I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of I'm kind of into her whole scrappy little nobody vibe that she right? puts out there you know, that's the name of her book that's why I said that but oh she has a book I didn't a, know that yeah she has a book a scrappy little nobody and I Aww. just think she is I mean uh, yeah, she annoys the hell out of me at the beginning, but when, as the movie goes on, it's like, which is the point of her character is to annoy the hell of, out of you. Mm-hmm. But as the movie goes on, it's like, oh, she's just so, she's so smart and she's so cute and she's so, she's just got this energy to her that I just really dig that. And I love her in lots of other things too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kind of latched on to her as the one that I find kind of maybe even a bit weirdly attractive. I, I even more that because Blake Lively uh, is like outwardly beautiful, but she's also kind of a horrible person. <laughs> and oh, so, <laughs> and so that just kind of, she's the bad girl. But so if you're attracted to the bad girl, then 
then that's your thing. But I've always been attracted to, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I like good girls, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I like bad girls, too. But we I like girls a lot. I just like girls, especially my wife. She's the best. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but their their first meeting, trying to keep us on track here, Brian. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs> it's like Blake Lively, Anna Kendrick, squirrel. We set up also in their first meeting, just the differences between the two of them. Uh, uh, when Blake Lively is very like a little bit harsh, she's just a little bit more blunt. I would say is probably the best word. Yeah, she you know, and was dealing with her kids. She has a more hands off approach or whatever, and she's not afraid to like say certain things in front of her kid. <laughs> One of the funniest lines to me about her parenting is uh when she asks so um i'm watching nikki is there anything he can't eat oh yeah just don't give him shit he doesn't like he doesn't like exactly (laughs) which i think is one of the funniest lines Uh, i find that so hilarious does he have any dietary restrictions and and also it's like where where she says don't say i don't do anything nice it's like you never let me do anything and she says well i let you tear my labia as you exited my body (laughs) um the kind of immediately gives you the sense of who she is right too. what kind mm-hmm. of mom what kind of character what kind of person that she is and so the the kids want to have a little play day together and so they all go over to um her name is emily i don't know if we said that i did they all go over to emily's house okay <laughs> i can remember okay and then from this very first meeting and their first like um uh, talk in, in her kitchen this is the question i have throughout the whole movie is do you think that Emily is sincere that no. Stephanie is her best friend? No. No? Really? I don't think I she is the, at all. She, never? Well, the thing, okay, here's the thing. I don't think she's friends with anybody. Anybody. At all. I think that's the thing. Yeah. And, and so if she does have a friend, Stephanie is about the closest thing to a real friend outside of, you know, the later revelation that we have ever, that she mm-hmm. has ever had. So she she is just so blocked from I mean even her husband doesn't know who she is. Yeah. There there are various sorts of things that like when you meet the person who did the painting for example mm-hmm. of her that she has hanging in her living room of her naked beavers. Yeah. <laughs> um she does not know who Emily is. Even calls her by a different name. Calls her a con artist. Huh? You know so there's I don't think that there is that Emily there's anything of what we see. I mean, she's it's not like she's not real. I think she is being who she is, except she's not revealing anything ever. Yeah. About who she is. And she's so, being real but not ever really revealing anything real. Exactly. You know? Yeah, which is but, I, a li- but then I also yeah. understand, I understand that, that, you know, you understand that when you learn like what the last what is it like 10 years of her life has been and like what she's had to do i think there's a part of her that does even though they they say later on you know that the, her husband sean and her they would they would watch stephanie's vlog and just watch it to, to rip her apart and make fun of her i think there's a part of her that does admire or at least respect 
Stephanie on some level for, you know, because she does see the difference. They, she has that line, you know, in their their second meeting where Stephanie says something like, oh, I'm not very good at like doing this, this roughhousing things with the kids. And uh, Emily says to her, I was like, don't denigrate your good parenting to comfort me for my shitty parenting. Right. Yeah. You know, so she kind of she recognizes that she, maybe deep some part of her like wants to have this normal yeah. like white pick offense life that stephanie has and wants to be able to be that really involved mom but there is a part of her that actually literally can't do that well i mean there's a part the, of her that yeah, always has she, to be hiding she's on yeah. the run i mean that's obviously yeah. a later revelation but we're assuming <laughs> if you're listening to this you have <laughs> right you've, you've seen the movie so you know because we always spoil and talk in depth about the movie so i think some of the things knowing where it goes that she is in fact a fugitive is kind of opens up the beginning of the movie uh, for some of these discussions. But because knowing that uh, it does, there is one thing that I think she really is sincere about at all times. I think she really does love her son. I think that is something that is, that is a key element because otherwise why would she be sneaking back and risking being caught just to see him? Just to see him. Yeah. Yeah. And she does that, you know, on multiple occasions, we don't see it. We have to take Nikki's word for it. But mm-hmm. the it's just interesting how they both they both have secrets, and as we know, secrets are like margarine, easy to spread, bad for the heart. Spread bad for the heart. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> they they both have these heavy heavy secrets that mm-hmm. are going on, and she actually reveals the the one of them early that <laughs> she slept with her half brother which brother fucker brother fucker yeah which is you know i mean yikes i mean that's uh, she never met him before i mean that's but that's you know incest yeah. in, in a movie yeah you know it's like whoa that's not a brother she grew up with or anything I mean, she right just no, met no when she was no. like 17 yeah <laughs> right right and so it's just kind of this wild revelation but then she has a deeper secret about what really happened to her husband, too. Uh, so well, and about her son, possibly. Possibly. Now, they never confirm that. I know. <laughs> but, you know, there is that definite possibility of that situation. So it's... That was just one thing that I was thinking, like, having seen this so much and no obviously knowing all of the things that come out i was watching these inner these early interactions with them and before anything before you know stephanie starts doing her little digging after emily goes missing or whatever i was really watching like her face and like does she really mean it when she's saying these things i think there's parts where she's sincere like when stephanie tells how her husband died yeah and like she get you know obviously she gets the loss um of somebody uh, i don't know if i want to reveal the the other <laughs> reveal of like who she really is because that's one of the fun things i think about this movie but there there's these moments when she says when she gives her the dorky little friendship bracelet which you know who wears those right. past middle school you know it's such a emily calls stephanie a nerd she's absolutely a nerd for like doing that well, kind sure of stuff she but yeah. she has a line too when she gives her that she was like nobody really does stuff like this for me. This is actually kind of sweet. And I I believe her in that way. I think cause yeah. because of what her life has been like, you know, she hasn't uh-huh. had a connection like she has. Should we just want to say that she has a twin? <laughs> right. Well, technically she's what? a triplet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's uh, what I that's one thing I love about this movie is that it does that 
that twin twist, but then they're like, no, 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 we can top that. They're actually triplets. So even though the triplets wasn't a part of it, one of them was stillborn. stillborn. Yeah, but <laughs> I still yeah. thought that was kind of fun. Like we're yeah. we're gonna top that twin thing, but she's been but, separated for her twin for ten years when they right. were so close, you know. So that's why I think there are some moments of sincerity between her and Stephanie because she misses that closeness. Yeah, it's the only friend she's ever really had is this sister of hers, mm-hmm. and so that that makes it makes a difference i think also one of the things that the early part of the movie sets up with stephanie's character is the fact that she lost her husband uh she seems to be overcompensating like she has to work extra hard to be this super mom exactly that's why she's trying to be super mom is because she feels also at fault for the death of her husband Mm -hmm. and i don't know and her brother. I, 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 yeah, and her brother, ultimately, which we find out much later. But the thing is, I, I can't, jeez, I don't think it's her fault at all, really, because no. her husband didn't need to freak out and kill them both in a car accident. That's <laughs> That's another question. Was it really d- an accident? Was it really an accident or did, yeah. did he charge head on into that mm-hmm. too? With uh, maybe the intention of just killing the brother but then dying himself in the process or Or was he that or was he just that angry that he was like we're i'm just gonna take us both down i kind of love that about this movie that doesn't answer those questions about stephanie we get all the answers about emily but stephanie is still a mystery she's a bit of an enigma and i think maybe I don't know if this was a, there was any intention of opening it up for a sequel, but uh, if there was, there then, was talks of one. I think. Yeah, yeah I don't think it the hasn't movie, happened yet. So yeah, I don't think the movie was successful enough to warrant one, probably. But um, which is which is a shame because it's a really good movie, you know. And yeah. um, you know, some movies are just like, eh, we could do a sequel, but I mean, is it really gonna, you know? Because obviously, dollars <laughs> and cents is ultimately the <laughs> the driving force of that kind of a thing but it's true um but i do kind of like that the movie ends with at least a few ambiguities because i like a movie that leaves you the audience to ponder things and to wonder mm-hmm. things because if it answers every single question what is there to talk about outside the theater Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's my, that's always been my thing. Uh, so whenever I cover a movie that has a lot of ambiguities, I really latch onto that because it's like it raises so many more interesting questions. And I think that is especially true for Stephanie, for Andri- Anna Kendrick's character in this. It also just kind of, to me, played more into like thinking about this uh, more as like a social media type movie too. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of elements of true crime coming into it that just her still keeping up that high moms, you know, persona at the end. It's like, that's, that's all a facade as we see, like she's, Mm -hmm. and what is, what is the line that she keeps saying like throughout the movie and like people want to call her like, because of the way that she acts and presents herself on the outside. I'm not a saint. They keep calling her a saint being a saint. I'm not a saint. People love (laughs) saints only when they're dead. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I and love that line. Tr- it was so uh, good. I know. Yeah, that, I mean that's true of of everything on social media. Like what mm-hmm. you 
present on the outside is never what it's really like or what you're, you're never like this happy, cheerful person all the time. And there's no skeletons in your closet. No, that's not right. true of anybody, I would say. Right. Oh, no, Right. Of course not. We live in a world where troubles happen to everybody. And maybe that's one of the reasons why um, Emily does like her, you know, to a point like that scene where she tells the story of, you know, her brother, like, want to trade confessions? Uh-huh. And Emily tells a story about um, having a threesome with her husband and his TA and kind of like shocking, thinking that she's shocking her a little bit. It's like, oh, it was, was your husband cool with him being there? And Emily being like, did I say it was a him? <laughs> right, right. But then just planting that idea into her head that kind uh-huh. of comes into play later. But according to Sean, at least her husband, it wasn't true. Yeah. But, so, re- but then you never know who's lying. If it's Sean is lying or Emily is lying. lying. They they, in this movie they blame because, each other. Because yeah. even when uh Steph Emily, I'm sorry, Emily tells the story, the whole unvarnished truth, quote unquote, to uh to Stephanie at the end of the movie when they're at the graveside and everything. What her sister? Yeah. Yeah, about her sister. She still isn't telling the incomplete truth. What she says does not at all line up with what, what the, we are showing. What we see. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is really, really smart because it keeps up this idea that there everybody has secrets and who is mm-hmm. telling is anybody telling the full truth? I mean, even even Stephanie, as honest as she is for much of the movie, is unwilling to reveal the entire truth, even when she is stone drunk on those mm-hmm. <laughs> insanely strong martinis. That just, just gin. That's just gin. Yeah, pretty much with a, <laughs> a twist in it. Right. Uh, she still doesn't reveal that. Uh, Emily essentially deduces that she had sex with her half brother. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, well, she doesn't she, admit to it. And she directly confronts her at the graveyard with like, Oh, who's your son's real father. And yeah. Stephanie is becoming kind of more like Emily by this yeah. point. You know, she mm-hmm. even says in that scene, you know, student becomes the master and she has like no facial expression for that question. So you have, you have no idea like right. what the truth really is. Uh huh. I also think that scene where they kind of they trade confessions is just for my side of this kind of uh, just more of the like the bisexual energy that this movie has, because I think there is even though it's never said, I mean, Emily has had relationships with both sexes. And I think Mm -hmm. there is an a pretty not so subtle attraction from Stephanie towards Emily. Yeah, especially in that their first meeting when they go over to Emily's house and she's like I said, she was wearing that like pinstripe outfit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she gets home and you start like getting comfortable because you're home and she's just like undressing in, in front of her pretty much until she's she takes off like she has a hat and a little like what's that thing's called? Um, was a fake the dicky like fake yeah. collar thing. And she's just yeah. in a vest and little um, disembodied cuffs, which is right. like really hot, by the way. Um, you can just see the way that Stephanie is looking at her. She's like, it's that bisexual thing. It was like, do I want to be her or be with her? I don't know. I'm confused right mm-hmm. now, but I like it. You know? Yeah. I think also she feels, um, I mean, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, maybe it's just that loss because she doesn't have any kind of intimacy with anybody, you know, for so long and for this, this friendship to be so immediately, to have actually 
someone say, hey, I want you to come over and hang out with me mm-hmm. for a little while almost is like it's so much for her that she conflates it even to attraction uh, to to her. I think there's a lot of things going on in that in that scene as well. So um, but, you know, hey, I'm. You know, I think I think there's definitely possibilities all across the board here. You know, don't I'm not trying to poo-poo right. that argument. I, I, I know I get you because yeah. I I do think um, Stephanie is probably well aware that people feel don't the like same her. way ab- yeah. about her that Emily does. Emily is just more blunt with her about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the other parents are like so annoyed with her and like how perfect she is and how bad you know she makes them look <laughs> well there's this the other line parents is... are hilarious though i love them the darren is so yeah. great there's like one little moment that i've always loved um at the beginning with um darren is like the the guy who has the little yeah. blonde haired girl uh-huh. is his yeah. daughter there's a part where like he's just holding her and they they hold on them for a while and she's like fidgeting with him or whatever and he just goes what is your problem and right, her, right. It's like that's such a parent thing to do you it, know? It's, it is <laughs> i love that um there's a funny line that sort of develops uh it's in the narration that stephanie says that sort of develops her character quite a lot too she's like carrying something into the school a box and it says um i've never understood these divisions between working moms and stay-at-home moms i have trouble making mm-hmm. friends with either uh, yeah. so I just think that's a really funny line and she's just kind of that, fumbling with the phone and Emily's talking to her yeah. maybe it's not them maybe it's you exactly that's the <laughs> yeah. that's the whole right. thing I know um, and they have that conversation at the end too when um one of the because that's another part that kind of confuses me like when they have their like their big final confrontation at the mm-hmm. end and they have that cute it's an adorable but i also think that there's a lot to like read into it exchange about because emily does keep referring to stephanie as her best friend to other people yeah. this is why i don't i don't know if i, be- I believe her or not uh, sometimes i do and sometimes I- i'm not really sure because we know that she's a manipulator and a liar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they have that thing at, at the end where stephanie is like was i really was i really your best friend because i wasn't sure you know <laughs> and then you know emily is like yeah yeah it was i wasn't i wasn't sure if like you felt the same way you know <laughs> and i here's, the th- here's I my thing i don't though. know <laughs> here's my thing because emily is such a manipulator and she knows that the thing that Stephanie is so desperate for more than anything is friendship of any kind. I think that she is just latching on to that and just, I can do, I can make her do anything for me. And she is right is the thing. She is 100% right. And uh, she maybe concocts this whole idea about disappearing and, you know, killing her, sister and collecting the insurance money with this idea that, oh, well, if this happens, things are going to be taken care of because I've got Stephanie there and she's just going to do it until Sean gets back and takes the kid. And then I can connect with Sean and we can you know, possibly get yeah. the four million thing taken together and we can both disappear. You know, I, I wonder if that's what's going on in her head and then we're just going to skip and she'll never know. And who cares? Because she actually, was just someone I used for a couple of weeks and now we're gone. I do believe that was part of the plan. Yeah. That's why she felt okay to 
go off and meet her sister mm-hmm. when yeah she she contacted her um, because she knew that stephanie was going to be there i just there's a part and maybe this is me just wanting to find the good in people there's a part of me that thinks sure. that there is a part of at least a part of her hey there was that, good in darth vader that... so <laughs> there's anything can happen right I think there's a part of her that was friends with Stephanie, but the rest, like what she has, just everything about like what she has found out that she, the way she's had to live her life, like always yeah. lying and manipulating. I think it's hardened does, her. Does not, does not, yeah, it hardened her and it doesn't let her fully, you know, be, even though I think she does exactly. want to. I think that's true. I think there's an element yeah. in her that if, but I mean, you got to think about it. She's been on the run for 10 years of her life. And now she's encountered this person that she's known for a short time. I don't think it's going to trump what she, ex- every, exactly. all that 10 years of experience or, yeah. you know, really 26 years of experience before that, you know, right. it's going to be, it's going to be just a rough go, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's not going to be able to just drop all that and say oh okay now i'm a good person because this person is a good person i don't think it means that she's i mean ever, it's not, she's not, really not, not, not that she's a bad person that's not what i'm saying but she's she's kind of well, she's kind of but you know <laughs> we all are kind of right i've had that discussion before but i think she just lets more of that come out and just sort of mm-hmm. run her life than stephanie does so, because Stephanie could be the supervillain too, you know, she's definitely got that potential yeah. in her for all of those kinds of. She definitely proves to too. have the smarts and the skills when she, she starts, you know, digging into everything once Emily goes missing. But, but at the same time, even when she's being sneaky, even when she's trying to gather information, like when she goes to the mother's oh my house, God. She, and she, she goes to Dennis Nyland. actually, <laughs> and she actually cleans the house and says, "It's not lying if I'm actually cleaning." Actually cleaning. <laughs> I think it's one of the funniest things that it just reveals who she is as a person so much because she cannot just be kind of she just can't turn herself into Emily. You know, it's it's she does get better. She gets yeah. more confident and more sure of herself but she never like really loses like that that quirky little personality that she has yeah but even at the end it's a little dark though it's a little (laughs) dark in that ending sequence i think where she's talking about hey we've reached one million followers and now i solve (laughs) mysteries as well as make gazpacho you know she's a little (laughs) bit weird in that last scene i think she's a little bit scary to me because she's learned how to manipulate and yeah. lie and put on this facade like Emily has mm-hmm. like taught pretty much taught her her friendship with her. Yeah, it gives it but kind that, of a dark and funny <laughs> ending. It so. was one of, it's one of those things I think where it's like it was something that was always inside of her and it just kind of yeah. came out through her encounters with Emily because what's something that they also talk about like over and over again and the, like from their first meeting which is something that I'm you can tell everybody that I'm definitely guilty of this too is just saying sorry all the time oh I do that all the time <laughs> right? yes you do I tell you all the time why are you sorry because <laughs> I just am I'm sorry for my who I am and what I'm doing yeah Which, you know <laughs> I get it because I do it too, but I'm kind of like, stop it. Stop it. You don't need to be sorry. Goodness sake. And what does Emily tell her when she says sorry? Like, you know, you don't have to be sorry for anything ever. Like, it's a fucked up female habit. Like, don't ever say you're sorry in front of me. Yeah. And I love that. And that's something that she, and you see, like, they use that to kind of show her, like, becoming more confident. Like, I love the scene when she goes to uh, Dennis Nylon 
where uh, Emily works, like after Emily's been missing, uh-huh. and that's, you know, she's going to go talk. She goes to talk to the receptionist. It's also kind of funny because. Oh, that's, you're looking at me, but are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she just does the thing where she hangs up the phone. She's like, oh, I'm just going to. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> and so she's still being like quirky, but learning yeah. how to assert herself. And and you can definitely see her like taking on um Emily's traits when she actually talks to him and like threatens him, you know, with, you know, because if you, you lose moms, you lose business. <laughs> and she brings the mom thing into it again, which I Yeah. Love. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> uh, mommy vloggers and uh, TikTok moms and everything, they, they oh tell you gosh. what's cool and what to buy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that comes up even more in another one of my favorite scenes with Blake Lively is the graveyard scene. When it's like after, you know, Stephanie's already found out like all of her secrets and stuff and they meet up and they decide like, okay, we both know what's going on. Like, what are we going to do about it? And I don't know, she's, Stephanie's making martinis and Blake Lively just walks up again in like an all white pinstripe suit with a freaking cane. Like, the cane. The cane is great. <laughs> which I think was, I think it's, um, it's Paul Feig's cane and Blake Lively just wanted to use it in this scene for her character. Well, it's and got I think that it's skull absolutely, on the top. It's yeah, so great. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. What a perfect yeah. image. Uh-huh. And Stephanie is also, you know, she's wearing like a little tight dress, like not her like little mommy, you know, cardigans uh-huh, and uh-huh. pants or whatever. Yeah. So she's. She's looking smoking uh, in that shot. She's yeah. looking smoking. She yeah. is. And then I think it really comes full circle in that. I love that scene, that final confrontation scene where their their looks and also it seems like their roles are completely switched from the beginning mm-hmm. when they bring Sean into it. And because um, they, they both come up uh, this movie with the plot twists and everything. Like, I don't know if we can get into all of it and explain. No, I don't you think so. To, you just you watch, the, have movie, to watch but, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the the character interaction, I mean, that we the focus of this is our, you know, female friendships, but I think the monkey wrench that gets thrown into that is Sean. Sean. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, can we, let's talk about a little bit about Sean yeah. and what he, because when they, he first appears and they're just kind of all over each other, mm-hmm. they have that chemistry. She says, what, what's her line? They have more chemistry than a high school science fair. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's just like, it's a great line. They really do. But they're saying just these poisonous things to each other. They are. <laughs> the words that are coming out of their mouths are so spiteful and hateful. But then they're just like, it, do you know what it reminds me a little bit of? Uh, in Mulholland Drive, that audition scene where instead of being like, and then I'm going to kill you. And it's, instead of doing it, that she does it like really, really sensually. And she's talking about how <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I... I'm going to kill you. And she's like rubbing up against it. That's what it reminds me of a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? That's it's, what their whole relationship is. Yeah. Like, it's so. just so well played the way that is, that is done. You just kind of go, Oh man, this is, and it's like, it turns them on to have this mm-hmm. animosity toward each other that they just can't keep their hands off each other, but they also kind of despise each other. So. <laughs> it's also something I'm kind of familiar with because that's how my family interacts. It's like, if we're not, like insulting each other that means like we're mad at you or something <laughs> that's just how we communicate but this is, yeah. that's totally different and that's how i am with my friends too it's like if i'm making fun of you that means i like you <laughs> which brian knows very well <laughs> sorry sometimes i'm like i did it because I, I didn't grow up that way so i'm just kind of like did i did i make her mad 
you know, so I sometimes I have to think well, through hopefully that. Hopefully you learn by now, no. I have. That means have, you're my I best know. friend. Well, I mean, the part is, the, the, the texting is so much of our, of our uh, interaction that it's like, is she joking? She's joking, right? <laughs> Because you, you can tell, you, you can you can tell when you're talking to someone if they're joking, right? but when they're texting, it's like, oh gosh, what did I do? <laughs> you know. <but> anyway. <laughs> anyway, with the two of them though, it's such a manipulation thing. It really, and is. it oh, it, it would definitely turns Sean on. Like he fully admits that it turns him on. Like that mm-hmm. um, little flashback scene they have where um, they're on the plane. Yes, and. She reveals that she like stole his mother's ring or something. Also, Blake uh-huh. Lively in a short little schoolgirl miniskirt. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and turns out to work for their benefit that she wore that because you know easy access. I know, right? But you know, spe- there's not much room That's, in those airplane bathrooms. There's not. <laughs> they say like nine months later, Nikki was born. <laughs> yeah. But she's being like so horrible and manipulative in that scene, even, and he's just none of it bothers him at all because she's like yeah i totally stole this ring and i have no intention of giving it back like who are you gonna choose your mom (laughs) your mother (laughs) or me (laughs) and he's like you you definitely (laughs) i'm gonna say is he thinking with another part of his body well of course probably is is a big part of it (laughs) well sure that's just the power that and he's that's what he says i think she's she's an enigma but i was I was so like intrigued w- by her. Like that's the power that she has is that she can make anybody you know like her, no matter how, the, how she acts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, is even he doesn't have any clue who she is. Nope, he she won't care. reveal it even <laughs> in her most intimate relationship with her husband. He still doesn't have any clue who she is. Doesn't know so. her real name. Mm-hmm. What her family was like. Thinks right. her family died. Yep. A long time ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The only person who actually knows her is her long estranged twin. Yeah. And she's just like her. <laughs> There's it in a lot of ways. I mean, except for she's less disciplined with things like drugs. Right. <laughs> uh, where Emily, I'm going to call her Emily, even though that's not her real name, um, because I think it's less confusing. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she never touches things like heroin, for example. She drinks in the scenes that we see her, but she doesn't necessarily overdo it all the time. She's not getting to the point of illness with it. Her sister, on the other hand, and that's the body they find. We have cirrhosis of the liver. We have uh, tracks all over her arms because they find you know, that body in the lake that they confirm to be Emily. And it's very clearly... The- her Blake Lively, yeah, you know, Blake Lively, yeah, and <laughs> they show the body, uh, but you know she's got, yeah, she has tracks on her arms from heroin. Well, she's use. been, in, but she's been in a lake, so you just yeah. think that's from then the whatever mm-hmm. was going on with her face and her yeah. lip is just from her being in the lake. Yeah. In the lake, right? And so there's, and there's a sense that oh, she's going to decay to a certain point, which will make it disguise any differences that there uh-huh. could be noticed anymore. The way she's thought this through is um, right. because, I mean, who's going to miss this sister that's sort of a derelict and doesn't really have any connections with anybody and doesn't have any children or 
you know, any connections. Obviously, their father is dead because he was burned in a fire that they set. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, then the mother, the mother is alive, but just sort of hates them both. Um, yeah. You know, say they're the spawn of Satan, which is an interesting thing to say about your own children. Um, but <laughs> their mother, by the way, is Jean Smart, who's oh, that's awesome. Right. She's I don't know great. why that did. I was like, oh, and I know this actress, and then I did, uh-huh. didn't really connect with me. But yeah, uh, she's terrific. It's a great cameo scene. Yeah, yeah. One of those roles where you just you bring in somebody really good for this one scene, and it just mm-hmm. elevates it just that much more. Yeah, it's, it's like Jack Nicholson awesome. broadcast news. You know, I think that scene of the her reuniting with her twin. Okay, so her real name, Emily's real name is Hope. Mm-hmm. Her twin's name is Faith. Their the sister other. was Charity. Charity. So Faith, how Hope cute is that? Faith, up and Charity. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting because the line right after that in scripture is, and the greatest of these is Charity, which is a uh, kind of an interesting thing because the one that is gone is so the, the one, one that, that died is, is not the good one, yeah, <laughs> is the good yeah. one. And they're yeah, the ones. I think Ooh, essentially that. That, that just, I'm sorry, that just dawned on me just now. Uh, so. <laughs> Sorry. I wouldn't have done that, obviously. (laughs) But that scene where they reconnect is interesting because, I mean, they and they have a line specifically where um, Emily is actually not the dominant one in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or she hasn't been up until this moment. Because, let me get confused. Faith. Faith (laughs) is like, oh, I thought you were the alpha now. And Emily says, I am the alpha. You know, that's right before she kills her. Right. (laughs) So like but tell I don't know, at the I'm, same time tells Stephanie no I didn't kill her if that's right. what you're thinking yeah this uh, is the so. part where uh, she's telling the story <laughs> and she's saying no I didn't kill my sister she killed herself she she just drowned she just drowned it, but no it Emily shows her holding her head underwater. holding her head underwater yes yes <laughs> so, uh, so I think that's a important little scene for. I don't know I'm mean, not a in, a in a good way because for Emily because she you know to she just killed her sister and she's more she feels more powerful now and you know that's not a good thing because cause it causes her to um you know take just take her manipulation of everybody just even further with the whole thing that she concocts with stephanie against sean but she's really against both of them secretly Mm -hmm. but really stephanie is on top of it (laughs) the whole time like I said, this movie is just like turns on top of twists and you have to watch it at least a couple of times really to, to get it. Well, and I think that there's a couple of really great references in this movie that sort of help unlock some of it. It's like, are you trying to diabolique me? Diabolique me. Oh my is, God. Is I love, a great I, moment because he's like, you know, you and know, like, I loved what? that reference. <laughs> I know you did. And then the other one is like, we're not trying to gaslight you, which of course, or she's gaslighting you or something like that. Yeah. And uh, of course, Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. The reference to that movie is apt as well. Just this idea that you're trying to make someone go crazy in both movies. You know, someone is dead, but they're not right. You know, and that is, that's because I love that scene. The scene that kind of makes me go, what? Hey, you know, the first time I saw this anyway, was when she cleans all of her stuff out of the closet it takes that's, it all that's down. That's something I had a question about. <laughs> yeah, and then comes back and everything's put back. So the assumption is that Emily or Sean just put all her stuff back in the closet. <laughs> okay, what, what is your thought on that? My thought is that Emily's fucking with her. 
It's just like, no, 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 you don't. Mine too. Because I know, think that's after. I, yeah. Yeah, that's after Nikki has already he's, like he's said just, that mm-hmm. that he's seen Emily I saw um, her, like yeah. outside of his school. And this really cute line <laughs> when they're at the dinner table and they're like, are you lying? Are you making this up? You didn't really see your mommy. I'm not lying. I saw her. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, <Probably>. exactly. But <laughs> yeah, it's the the Diabolique yeah. line, um, you know, comes right after everything's back in the closet and Emily calls and calls her brother fucker, which is right. something that only she knew. So yeah. it has to be well, her. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing I was wondering with the closet thing was... Uh, because like, I was wondering if that was even if that was just something in her head, like she was. I don't think uh, the movie does fr- that, though. I don't think it does that. Yeah, I was the last yeah. time I was watching. I was like, I think that really does happen because mm-hmm. you know it's it's after they've already kind of like declared her dead, had the funeral, and all that kind of stuff. And Stephanie and Sean are like a couple now together, and yeah. she's gonna move in. She sells her house. Yeah, so she's cleaning out yeah. uh, like all of the stuff in Emily's closet and. I think I was watching it again, like really watching to see if this was a, a real moment. There was, I think, there was plenty of time, like between, like she probably went back to her own house and Emily. Yeah, I like, think so. Snuck, the way snuck in and put her yeah. stuff back because the the way it's right, cut makes it look like it's you know it was minutes, immediate. but it yeah. but it's not. It it has to be. There's was. a time frame. Yeah, and I really think that's the big turning point in the movie too, because it's right after that is when Stephanie is doing her vlog and she's that's when she speaks directly to Emily mm-hmm. when she's saying she's saying something like you know i don't really believe in ghosts but i think you know we go on and like emily if you're out there that's when she is really starting to think that she's not actually dead and that there's something funky going funky going on you know yeah well (laughs) that line you know where emily wherever you are i hope you're listening you know like she's talking like she's talking to the sky makes it like she's talking to the sky and you know what you gotta have faith and, th- and they, they just show her just close the oh brother fucker and just like <laughs> throws the computer uh is uh it's great it's and then you great. see stephanie like flipping her off <laughs> that little motion yeah. that she does oh and mm. when the little scene with anna kendrick when she's in her car like just rapping i don't know what the song is yeah <laughs> i don't know either, song. But that, it's, like, just, it's it's sort of like you do it reminds me <laughs> It reminds me of the scene in Office Space where they're smashing the damn yeah. it feels good to be a gangster. Uh, I love the scene with um, the woman who painted the picture because it's Linda Carnellini and I think she's great. I love oh, her. Oh, she's wonderful the in actress. that scene. It's a really mm-hmm. great scene too. It's actually one of those scenes in the movie that I'm I like, wow, this is really interesting. I, I love the way it's sort of it's suspenseful a little bit with the knives. It's like right. I used to paint her all the time. Now I all I can paint is knives. What? They're so good. People are just jealous. <laughs> it's so funny. I She's love so that. cute. Yeah, it's great. They're both so cute great. in this. Yeah. And she just like happens to you know, still have this T-shirt that it's one of those movie things. Or yeah, like, it it is. really it's it's right there the whole time. <laughs> I know. It but, leads her hey. to the Bible camp, and that's how mm-hmm. she finds out about the the twin thing and everything. But so many like this is where all the everything starts to unfold. We've already talked about the graveyard scene. The scene that I love probably the most is that like I've been saying that final confrontation with yeah. all three of them. Yeah, 
That's that's a, so. I mean, it's twist on twist on twist because mm-hmm. we we realize several things. Well, first of all, I like the way that Emily is dressed in that. She's very much mm-hmm. taking on like the Stephanie. Like, like I said, their roles kind of become reversed in that scene because bit, yeah. um, Emily is dressed in this um, like little foofy, like basically looks I like a feel 50s like housewife she's doing dress. it as a joke, though. She's, she's absolutely doing, doing it on it, purpose. She's yes. doing it to mock Stephanie. Absolutely. In, in front of yeah. Sean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so this is what you like now? Is that what yes. you're saying? And this is after, you know, they caught. She recorded Sean saying while she was holding a gun to his dick, you know, (laughs) that she he was thinking of Emily when he was having sex with uh, Stephanie and I never loved her and those sorts of things. So and that's what he played. Well, and then it cuts sort of straight to this scene well, well not there's straight a thing to it. there's there's more yeah. that's going on but but you know playing that for her at the tombstone but then we don't see stephanie and sean interact again before this final sort of except moment necessarily well except to see her kind of brush him off because they set it up mm-hmm. after that graveyard thing that the two of them the two girls are going to work together against sean right. emily does the whole like gone girl thing where she hurts yeah. herself you know comes back and is like sean did it all right, you know, right 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 yeah that's right because I, I do like um in the graveyard scene too where um emily is like you can have sean i don't fucking want him like he sucks and <laughs> stephanie's yeah. like i don't want sean <laughs> like right. they both don't care about him right and then this is where we're at you know the, the final scene i think and sean that this is, is still spellbound by emily i think and even after all oh of that. absolutely he is of course he is you know they set they frame him they set him up as they de- having having <laughs> yeah exactly is stolen all this <laughs> but then they show stephanie with the gun and kind of holding them both up, and she shoots Sean in the chest. But of course, it doesn't fool Emily, and she sees that. Oh, get up! You know, you're. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it was, and it was a blank. It was something they set yeah. up to try and get Emily to confess on mic. But huh, Emily's already cut the mics, which gives her the freedom she thinks to confess that you know she killed her father, she killed her sister, and everything. Uh-huh. And Stephanie comes back with, oh, actually. This button right here, yeah, that I'm wearing—it's a nanny cam, and we're live streaming on my vlog right now. Yep, <laughs> which has gained all of these new followers because of this true crime element, which is just yep. sort of twisted in its own way. That no one was interested in this thing until it got salacious, until it got Absolutely. exploitative, and that's one of the things that you know is a struggle for me with true crime. And we've talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is this exploitation element you know that people get oh i want to i want to know the gross stuff if it bleeds it leads and all that that goes with that is a little bit icky you know it's a little icky (laughs) but at the same time it's like i find myself fascinated by it myself Hmm? so i mean it's it's like to exploit these tragedies that happen to real people to gain followers to entertain sell ourselves, merch. to sell merchandise, to make money. I, it's really, there's a lot to unpack about all that. Yeah. And I live in the state of the greatest true crime writer of all time. And Rule, you know, was a Washington person. And she was one of the people that started this whole trend. So, you know, hey, I'm I'm part of that 
I guess, uh, I don't know, that culture is very much ingrained in, in sort of my area here. So the whole Ted Bundy and Green River Killer stuff, you know, that kind of set it all off. Well, yeah, I mean, that's I fully admit to being somebody who consumes true crime stuff. It's just something that I've been interested in since I was in late middle school, high school. Yeah, um, really. It was. But it was one of those things that you kind of had to secretly be into. Like I would go sure. to bookstores and be like, do you have a true crime section by any chance? <laughs> you know, and I'd be like embarrassed mm-hmm. to ask for it because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the thing that got me into it, though, because I was a I was a voracious reader when I was sure. a kid. I read like anything and everything. And so I got into like more advanced stuff pretty early on. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it was actually Anne Rule's book, The Stranger Beside Me. Yeah. About, yeah. Um, I've got Ted Bundy. On my shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was <laughs> the first one I read that really just got me going on this. And it's just something I've been like secretly interested in ever since and and i've been consuming like the podcasts and the Mm -hmm. youtubes and the documentaries and stuff absolutely but there are some stuff about it that is starting to definitely ick me out and it's the um there is definitely that that exploitation element of it like uh, like i've told you like um my favorite podcast that I listen to the my favorite true crime podcast is Case File, and mm-hmm. the reason why that one is my favorite is because the host is not a personality at all. Right. The host is anonymous; no one even knows like who the host is, what his name is, whatever. He doesn't talk about himself or anything at all. The podcast is simply the story, and they tell it yeah. like a story with no opinions or anything mm-hmm. like that. Some of the other like more popular true crime podcasts are all about the host. Yeah. And making merch and funny lines from the show and stuff. And that's the part that I don't really like is like you're Do, making it about yourself and not sure. about the story. And that's what I'm starting to have a big problem with. Yeah. One of the things that disturbs me is sort of the social media, the viral aspect of it, because what we have, if you've ever seen, um, there was the one about the hotel in Los Angeles where the, the girl. Yeah, the Hotel Cecil documentary. They mm-hmm. showed, you know, the the whole thing about the girl drowning in the water tank at the top of it. Well, there had been this sort of viral sleuthing, you know, sort of these armchair sleuths that figured, oh, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. And it turns out it's none of those things. Because there was that weird video of her. The weird video. Inside the elevator. Mm-hmm. That had kind been of- altered and had been messed with in various ways to make it seem um and and the reality was when the investigation by the professionals happened it was a fairly cut and dry case and it was conflated into this wild mystery mystery thing and it's the reason you know why we have these crazy conspiracy theories i mean one of them that drives me nuts mm-hmm. is the cottage industry that's set up around the jfk assassination oh, I know. when it was this <laughs> when it was the evidence that it was lee harvey oswald acting alone is insurmountable right (laughs) you know but there is this massive industry of people nitpicking these tiny little things that have and these are not professional investigators in any sense that have turned this into i mean oliver stone's movie just made it worse and when you have these things enter into the popular culture in that way it becomes that's where it becomes really really challenging for me is is when we have Mm. You know, well, I mean, uh, there's even a doc that's pretty much about that, the Don't Fuck With Cats, 
fun. Yeah, the Don't Fuck With Cats one was another one that just was sort of eye-opening to me. But, I mean, even when, like, Tiger King was going, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, she definitely killed her husband. She definitely ground him up and threw him in with... No, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case at all. Because we just have... We do not have the evidence. We are seeing what the documentary wants us to see. The documentary has an agenda. Mm -hmm. All all documentaries do. All of them do. All of them do. All of them do. So I'm just like, everyone was arguing, oh yeah, she definitely killed her husband. It's like, I don't, I don't buy it. Sorry. (laughs) You know, and I was like, are you kidding? You gotta be stupid. It's like, well, I'm not a professional investigator either, but the professional (laughs) investigators say, no, I don't think so. You know? Uh, So, I mean, come on. I, I think, I th- and, and I'm not saying that those people are faultless or unable or 100% correct all the time, but I'm going to take their word more often than I'm going to take the word of someone who saw, who watched Tiger King once. Right. You know? <laughs> Actually, the, uh, the don't fuck with cats one goes pretty well with uh, a simple favor because that's all about, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the story of Luca Magnata and that's, it's pretty much from the perspective of the you know self-proclaimed internet sleuths who exactly found him mm-hmm. and what does what does stephanie become at the end of the movie she becomes a self-proclaimed you know police officer at the end like right. oh just contact me for recipes or to help solve your unsolved mysteries yeah and what really got me about that documentary kind of like made me think about stuff because at the end the woman who one of the sleuths who's been one of the main talking heads throughout the document yeah. don't fuck with cats one looks at the camera and says you know like by watching this documentary like you're contributing to you know this story being more well known and like this stuff becoming even more popular and part of me was like okay well i did not spend a year on the internet trying to find this dude or whatever like you did Mm -hmm. so i I just Mm -hmm. i just watched this for an hour but i mean she's also not wrong she's not wrong and that's the thing that was a that's that's the thing (laughs) no honestly that was the thing that sort of got me thinking about this stuff more and then honestly Mm -hmm. scream 4 really has some interesting things to say about it because gail weathers obviously is a true crime writer in that movie in those movies, right? And she is, um, in Scream 2 in particular, she's exploiting the experience of Sidney Prescott. You know, it's it's just mm. very... Um, and there's something about the way that, that it's presented in those movies that I think is really uh, prescient and fascinating too. So, because um, I think Wes Craven had some things to say about, you know, yeah. the nature of, of what we're doing when we exploit real life victims uh, of yeah but at the same time he's making a movie i mean scream is 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 not about a real well eh, they say it's loosely loosely based (laughs) on 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 a real thing but at the same time it's very fictionalized it's not (laughs) it's Mm. not the same thing but um it's just I, I it's just fascinating, but but the thing is, it's also not new. I mean, we're talking about, you know, M made in 1931 is doing, you know, the Vampire of Dusseldorf. I mean, it's covering some of those same mm-hmm. kinds of things. So you know, hey, it, this thing is it's been, uh, it's been a debate it's been and a, it's been a challenge for a long time. And people's interest in very salacious true crime stories has been around forever. Just not oh gosh. Yeah, look because at because of social media. Yeah, yeah of course. You look at the stories. Jack the Ripper, you know, story and stuff has been going on for centuries now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna 
I can't entirely defend my interest in it. I don't know exactly is something like I said, I got into yeah. when I was young. I'm fascinated by it. I'm yeah. I don't know, just kind of fascinated by people's motivations. I'm um, also yeah. now, but also now there's a different element to it where um, another reason why I like the, the case file um, podcast is that there's always something at the end. That's kind of uplifting because he always keeps it focused mm-hmm or at least tries to keep it as focused on the victims as he can, like telling their story. And that's a big thing too, that I, I think is an important part of this is that, you know, people being, being able to have their stories heard. Like some of these are like, like the survival stories are things that should be heard because they can help Mm -hmm. other people. And that's something that it's been for me. So I've only listened to the one series, the the one on Jonestown, because you sent that to Mm -hmm. me because I was writing something that included that and for my Midnight Mass article, actually. And Mm -hmm. so you um, my my most successful article to date, weirdly enough. Uh, (laughs) um, But that we were talking about Jonestown. And I think the way that that is presented in there is it doesn't feel like exploitation. It feels like Mm-hmm. document and i think there's a the challenge is exploitation is how you get some people to watch something or to engage with something right uh that's what roger corman movies <laughs> were all about you know let's we got to have beasts and blood and boobs in this so that people so we can get butts in the seat but then we can tell them you know the we can have all the other kinds of messaging we want within that f- frame right framework right yeah so it's a challenge how do you present this without exploiting especially the victims or glorifying the perpetrators yeah that's that's the big thing is that the killers become the spotlight and not their victims everybody knows the names of the killers who knows the names of ted Bundy's victims Yeah. yeah this was part of the issue with that came out this year. I don't know. We're kind of on a long tangent here, but I think it's important to kind of bring out a little bit. Uh, the whole Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix series that came out from Mr. Murphy. That was, I understand why that was so controversial because I, I didn't even watch the whole thing. I watched a little bit of it, but I was just like, it just felt gross. It felt really, really gross to me in a way that a lot of other ones don't. It was. I mean, it all depends on how yeah. it's portrayed. Yeah, it really is. It really and is. And if something ever come would come, if there was something I was working on, if something ever came up that the victims' families were upset about it, I would stop it right then. Yeah, because this is real people's lives that you're yep. playing with here. Yeah, and if they express, if they, if they're, they want their loved one's story to be told do it. You know, I think yeah. again, that's what I'm saying. Like that's an important thing that these people's stories be told sometimes because the focus is so much put on the perpetrator and not their victim, not knowing, yeah. not knowing that this was a real person who went through this and this mm. is where our compassion should go. Not for the perpetrator, obviously. Well, but if, the, so if somebody, that was the big thing with that one is that the victim, uh-huh. so one of the, one the of the victims, like the family was, like- pissed and they had they every were. right to be mm-hmm. they're like we've already and dealt with this with the movie that came out with exactly the, there's so you know, much stuff we, about Dahmer mm-hmm. and and there's like oh but it was successful so we're making another one and again it comes down like I sort of <laughs> cynically said just a few just a little while ago in this conversation is it comes down to dollars and cents you know what mm-hmm. that's what makes money is what's going to be made but if we don't watch it 
then it's not going to happen. And unfortunately, because of, you know, YouTube and podcasts and stuff and true crime becoming so popular, it's kind of it's strangely a big money maker mm. right now is true crime, yeah. which does feel very icky. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, at the same time, I still can't help but consume yeah. some of it not everything oh no no, no I, mean, I agree you can't, you can't you. do you can't and do too much but I, I still i still listen to the podcast i, I still mm-hmm. you know watch some of some of the documentaries some of them it's yeah. just like i don't i don't need that if it's something i've never heard of before and again like it's, it's just the fascination and, and there's interesting ones and i i can't help but be interested in them sorry <laughs> yeah there's some that come out that just kind of finally give the victims a voice like i think yeah. that one of the things that I found really compelling and interesting this last year was The Secrets of Playboy, um, which was an A&E series. And a lot of people are going to say, you know, that's, you know, you're um, shitting on the legacy of a man who's dead. And But, I mean, it has some pretty serious accusations against Hugh Hefner. And, and it's pretty dark. But these are, if, if we choose to, if we say that we believe women and we believe victims... It's true against people who are cultural heroes of various people, too. Okay. And I am not impressed by Hugh Hefner. I think he was, uh, he he created, I mean, it was all about, you know, sexual liberation. I think some of the things with the magazine. But, I mean, this personal lifestyle that he held, his own personal Xanadu, I mean, he, he was Citizen Kane. And he was exploiting these, a lot of these women. Oh, yeah. Not all of them. A lot of the people that appeared in the magazine, you know, people like Pamela Anderson have have nothing but nice things to say, all, all that. But there are other women who say Hugh Hefner raped me and his fr- and he allowed his he enabled his friends to have free reign over exploiting me and other people. And some of these people are victims. And, and you know, it's, it's just so there's you got to contend with some of these things, too. And if you want to cut all that out, feel free. Um, but it, it, because I feel like I'm going a little far afield there, but, but I think that, but, but that brings it back to that idea of giving the victims a voice. And I think that's important, but anyway, and that's not exactly what Stephanie is doing. She's it's not centering herself as you're right. I'm going to solve the crime. Exactly. And that, and so that ending, it makes that ending really kind of dark. It does. I hadn't thought of it that way before until I thought about the the true crime part of the yeah. the movie. Yeah, and that's actually so, pretty interesting. But all in all, <laughs> this movie is really really funny and it, and, and it lively and it engaging. Too. And I think I think Paul Feig is a really pretty strong director. I mean, he can yeah. he, the way everything is staged is really pretty well done. I mean, it's not it's not a flashy kind of directing style. And the humor in it is a lot more subtle than it is in something like Ghostbusters or Bridesmaids. It's just that's why I prefer yeah. it more to those movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a it, the humor is very restrained. It's got an edge to it, which mm-hmm. I like. Where it's a little bit more silly in those movies. There's a place for that. I mean, we're talking about Barb and Star in a minute, here. right? <laughs> but so, uh, but yeah. it still has like so much of like his. I think quirky personality. I yeah. mean, he didn't, he didn't write this or anything. It's no. based on a novel and it was written by somebody else. But I think the way that it's presented is still very much in that style. It's just like the, the, the colors and the costumes and the settings and stuff is just another kind of element to it. That makes it, I don't know, just like 
everything about it comes together so well for me and it's still got the, all the crazy elements make sense like you when you're watching it, you're like that's a crazy twist that's a crazy twist but it you're not like super confused by it like you get it and you're i don't know you're you're enjoying it the whole time and i love i just i love the ending too it's still it just it's this whole serious thing that's been going on with the three of them and their final confrontation and then just like mm-hmm. lively just gets run over by a car just Darren <laughs> with that line you know America's hybrids <laughs> silent but deadly silent but deadly <laughs> yeah and then like the post uh, thank god that they if you watch the alternate ending for this if you haven't, haven't don't it's dumb they do like this whole like flash mob thing for the alternate ending and it just it doesn't work I like the ending a lot better what? where it's huh. yeah I know it's weird I like this much better where it's got the, the text on the screen thing saying sure. that you know, this is what Stephanie and Sean are. And then there was a little moment with uh, Emily in prison. And she's adjusting well. Yeah. <laughs> she's like playing basketball in your ass. <laughs> yeah. Like, so she still hasn't changed. <laughs> no, no. Which, which is, um, inter- it's an interesting um, dichotomy because she is kind of a, a secretive and a liar, but she is who she is. She presents mm-hmm. her personality. She just doesn't reveal anything about her person, if that makes sense. No, um, I think that's exactly what. Yeah. Is. Yeah. She and doesn't I, reveal anything yeah. really about herself, who she really is yeah. inside to anybody. Yeah. Except probably her sister. Yep. yep. Who she killed. <laughs> so there you go. Um. So, yes, I absolutely freaking love this movie <laughs> and it's like i said it's become a comfort just something silly and fun that i can put on really anytime and you know what i think the next movie is gonna become something like that too <laughs> yeah okay so i guess that's our shifting uh our segue because uh, it, it just it just makes sense <laughs> to, to go into talking about it the way this movie sets itself up is, is just like immediately sort of what the hell is going on now <laughs> because well for, the first thing it you see is you know, the definition of culottes uh, which is just like <laughs> well that's interesting um but then it cuts to the kid on the bike the paper boy and doing that lip sync <laughs> boy that kid can lip sync <laughs> and it's just you know and it, and it turns out you know, he's part of he's, he's the henchman of this super villain apparently that has a lair and inside a tree inside a tree it's just it's it's got a real and that's one of the things about this movie that i felt because i just watched the austin powers movies again this has that that austin powers vibe to it it's a mid-budget silly over-the-top comedy and we don't get a lot of those something that is not like shoestring budget with three people in it that's a crazy comedy, sure. But something like this, that, you know, sort of the heyday of, I guess, the Saturday Night Live crew that was making movies like um, Wayne's World or Austin Powers or, I mean, not to <laughs> beat the Mike Myers drum, but he seemed to make a few of the good yeah. ones. I mean, um, even So I Married an Axe Murderer, I think, would be another yeah. one that would fits into this category. Absolutely. Where it's this over-the-top, wild silly comedy zany i guess is one of the words that i hate to use but i don't know what else to use that and it's sort of that uh or maybe like um you know the billy madison or happy gilmore you know the or the wedding singer hand uh the 
Adam Sandler stuff uh, has a little bit of that sort of feeling too. But Austin Powers, I think, is the best analogy because you have this yeah. super villain. When, when you got, said that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely Austin Powers. Yeah, you have <laughs> I hadn't the, thought of that before. Yeah, you have the nutty just sort of. But okay. I actually had to look up to see if Barb and Star were characters that were like Saturday Night Live sketch before they were on this movie. But they weren't. These were characters that Kristen Wiig and... Um, uh, why can't I think of her name? Annie Mamello. And Annie Mamello created Annie uh, Mamolo uh, or Mamolo. I don't Mamello? know how to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Mamolo. I thought it was Mamolo. Um, that they created while they were working on Bridesmaids. So they would be thinking about Bridesmaids and imagining w- who are these people's parents. <gasps> okay. And, <laughs> and Barb and Star kind of came out of that. So I actually, when they show them sitting on the couch just talking and talking and talking to each other at the beginning of the movie, I kind of thought, was this a Saturday Night Live sketch that they blew up yeah. into this bigger world? Because that's totally what it feels like. It uh, does. It has, you know, just the two, like Wayne's World, you know, the two guys sitting on the couch talking about stupid stuff that they just expanded the world on to make the movie. But no, they were 100% created for this movie. And... <laughs> Kristen Wiig said they started with the title. She says, you're, I know you're not supposed <laughs> to do that, but hey, lots of people used to do that. It's like uh, in sure. Ed Wood, I changed my sex. You know, uh, <laughs> you know they were given a title, in this, but uh, here it's. Yeah. So the title was Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Now, what is that movie? And then they wrote it from there. <laughs> they came up with this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which That's I think awesome. is a lot of fun. That, I but it's too. And it seems like the two of them these characters feel so lived in. That's one of the things I like about it. Yes. Is that you really buy the friendship. You really buy that these people have known each other and think exactly the like, which is one of the funniest things about it. Uh, To have two characters that are exactly the same like that doesn't sound like it'll work, but it kind of does. I've been watching a lot of Frasier and... That was one of the things about that, to have the two brothers, Frazier and Niles, be essentially the same person. You know, how do you make that work? It actually works pretty well. It's actually really pretty (laughs) funny. (laughs) But that's part of the story in this one is that they are the same person. And at some point in their adventure, they kind of split off. Yeah, they discover themselves apart from each other. Yeah. They discover their shimmer again. But also together. It's like a shimmer. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get a soul douche, see if we can find our shimmer. You ready? Um, (laughs) That first, how do you not fall in love with the entire movie, you know, in those first few minutes with them on the couch? Just, Mm -hmm. uh, they're obviously, like, they're they're portrayed pretty much exactly, you know, how they are. They're, like, the kind of uncool middle-aged women who... You know, I mean, they're no, they're not cool, and they're they wear like they have to look middle aged, and they have the short haircuts and whatever. So they they've totally played the part, but they're also like just the sweetest people you could ever yeah. probably hope to meet in your entire life, and you cannot hate them at all for that. Yeah. <laughs> as dorky as they may be, Barb and Star are the greatest people on the planet. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot. We have a couple of ground rules we got to set up here. Because, you know, first of all, first rule of podcasting, right? No sneakers. Mm -hmm. 
I'm no, I'm just wearing socks. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. No swearing except for the F word. Well, you know, we got that one down. Okay. Okay. And we never lie to each other. <laughs> All right. So obviously those are the rules of talking club, uh, which is one of those funny little running gags through this movie too. I love yeah. those. A lot of these actresses or, or actors in this movie kind of were part of this sort of office parks and rec group you know paul feig was sort of Uh (laughs) related to this a little bit too because he directed bridesmaid you have chris and wig and and annie mumolo and so there's sort of this feeling like they all just know each other (laughs) and and so it all pulls in together yeah they play so well with each other though in that those Mm. talking club scenes they're just everybody has their moment to be funny oh my god God. I love Phyllis Go home, Smith saying, I want to talk about horses. Horses. I love so her. Like, you know we don't talk about anything except for the subject that's drawn from the talking jar. Give me your soup. <laughs> and she pours her soup into her soup. <laughs> that I, looks nasty, by the way. I'm sorry. It looks awful. It, it looks The hot terrible. dog soup looks terrible. It's like gray. How do you make it's food gray. that color? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and... The temptation with this discussion is going to be just to, like we did with Spinal Tap, just quote every line of the movie. But There's so many good ones, though. When, Come on. when, yeah, I know. I know we we're gonna we're gonna try not to do that too much, but I think okay. we're it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Isn't it crazy that just all the raccoons in the world are asleep right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just one of the funny things. And then you know, like one of the weirdest little there are so many sort of weird throwaway moments in this mm-hmm. like when they're down in the lair again and the villain who is also played by Kristen Wiig and I don't remember her name apparently is Sharon Gordon Fisherman yeah. but I don't remember that name being said in the movie I only caught that because I had the subtitles on okay <laughs> that's the only way I knew what her name was because they only say it once I think and then they never bring it I up again so. But there's the part where she says something and there's the music that goes dun, dun, dun. And she looks down and there are these mice playing <laughs> the in an orchestra. <laughs> yeah. And she says, the strings are still off. The rest may have cheese. I mean, it's just the most <laughs> random, bizarre thing you can possibly think of. And the fact that she's completely albino except for this dark hair and it's and this orange lipstick she wears, you know. Yeah. It's just a weird character, and he's like, I'm going to make a suicide. That's one of the things that I love. I was going to say, like, that's one of the best parts when mm -hmm. she's, uh, the very first scene when she goes to make the suicide, because, I mean, that's good. That's just good comedy writing. Yeah. Because it comes back, but it's also, like, one of those references that so many people get that nobody ever, like, talks about. Like, oh, I definitely did that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's someone who's like just, in touch with like some kind of cultural thing that like no one's ever brought up before, and it, mm-hmm. it's so funny that someone finally did it, you know. And she has the the just a splash of lemon infused iced tea. Infused iced tea, yes. That and that little throwaway <laughs> thing comes back exactly at the end. It was just like it's kind of brilliant, you know. It's in, very smart in its yeah. way. Yeah. Okay, so Barb and Star lose their jobs, and they decide to go to Vista Del Mar. Because it rhymes with Barb and Star, I think. Because <laughs> and also their friend that they see, 
who's the mom from the Goldbergs, and she has that one cameo scene, and she just says, "It's you're gonna go there, and it's gonna be like you've had a soul douche," yeah. and <laughs> the whole conversation on the plane about <laughs> Trish. They're flying from what Nebraska to Florida, so this is a yeah. long flight. And everyone's just like covering their, like putting on headphones and like, please stop talking. And they're just talking about all this. I've always thought that, you know, a woman named Trish was, it was just the best name. Oh, you never told me that. And it's like, I think that, I think that too. And then they just create this a whole. Trish is someone you can count on. Yeah. And then. But again, yes, the everyone end, is. Know, in... Go ahead. I'm just saying like, again, like. Everyone is annoyed by them, like listening to them talk all the time, but they're still like so wholesome. Mm-hmm. Like you can, how can you be mad at that? <laughs> and like they're not being like Karens or whatever. They're just no, they're being, not. They're little wholesome selves, like just talking about their this little life that they've constructed in their minds together <laughs> about Trish, this person that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, she's like, and there's a spirit. And they're by the end, they're by the time they're have arrived in Florida, they've been talking about Trish the entire flight. They're now on the moving sidewalk, and they're talking about how Trish died, and they're crying. Yeah. And you know, but there's a spirit out there in the water named Trish. <laughs> and again, stupid, it weird. Comes, it comes back, back. <laughs> it's just like. It's kind of brilliant. And then, you know, they're right about the air. If you have you ever been to Florida? Yes. Okay. You get off the plane in Florida from basically anywhere else that's not sort of in the vicinity and the air is like it's thick. It's it's you breathe it in. Uh-huh. It's like <gasps> it's like the air feels different here. They say, "Yeah, it smells like red it's lobster." Like red lobster. <laughs> but then the movie throws me off because then they walk into the hotel and there's this musical number, a big musical number. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, this is a musical? <laughs> sort of. Not really. Kind of. It's got a couple. It, but I wouldn't describe it as a musical. No, I wouldn't either. But... I wouldn't either. There are, <laughs> there are two musical numbers and then there's the, <laughs> we'll get to the uh, lounge uh, performer in, in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to talk about the hymn. Okay. Absolutely. But I, I I also think it's really funny where they go, instead of saying, oh, my stars, one of them says, oh, my star. And the other one says, oh, my barb. Oh, my barb. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. I don't know. This is one of the movies where I think by this time, I kind of got what the vibe exactly. of the movie was that when the musical number happened, I was like. It's just natural. Sure. That's exactly yeah. where I. I don't mind this at all. <laughs> yeah. I just loved it even more, really. And there's even funny jokes, like, within the musical number that makes me laugh. I don't know. Like, because it's, it's the hotel staff, like, Talking about how them. great it is in this Talking hotel. Talking about how great the hotel is. We change the sheets every day. And then very low here. Well, almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> and the pool has chlorine. And he's just <laughs> sitting there pouring chlorine into the <laughs> chlorine. pool. Yeah. <laughs> And they, they, of course, end with... And this is another scene that's just kind of a weird throwaway because it doesn't... It sort of bursts their bubble, uh-huh. but it is sort of just this one scene where they say they go to... They're at the motel, the Palm Vista Motel, and they they take their lays <laughs> off, they send them away, and they go to this dive that has an empty pool, and there's... But they said, hey, let's sneak back into the 
into the nice hotel and a room opens up, you know? So it's like that whole scene is like, it's not even really anything that makes any difference, but I kind of don't want to live without it in the movie because it's just kind of perfect. I think it works though, because something that they talk about, I think, I think it's in the scene where they're still they're still debating about whether or not they want to go to Vista Del Mar because uh, Barb is she she's really funny in that scene. It's like we can't go on a trip. Like, what if we fall out of a car? Like, <laughs> who has that? Right. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. And it, I think is that the one where they're talking about like losing their shimmer? Like that's just something that happens when you get older. Like you just uh-huh. you don't deserve those kind of things anymore. I think that's what that scene is about. It's like oh. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we deserve. We deserve the crappy motel and not the really nice, like youthful, colorful, vibrant one because that's not mm. us anymore. Yeah. I wow. think that's what that's, that, that's getting, about. You're getting all deep on me. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. That's what she said. Um, but it, <laughs> uh, I deserved that. Okay. Yes, you did. Okay. Because when they do decide to, you know, do stuff a little bit different, because it's crazy, you know, they talk about like their their stories are all from a long time ago. Like they're mm-hmm. not as wild or adventurous anymore. Like the most adventurous thing that Barb can think of to do is to wear the socks with individual toes, which are awful, by the way. I hate those things. My wife loves those. I don't like them. They feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is when they decide that they're going to, you know, do something sneaky, sneak over to the hotel and to the pool That's where true. they're not staying. You know, this is them like, you know, trying to regain that, that youth and that, that sense of adventure again. And so, yeah. hey, there I love is a what, deeper meaning to it. There, there yeah. is, there is, there is. I think um, as the movie goes on, when they're sort of on their separate adventures, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that where it's finding themselves but still functioning as a friendship, as a unit, you know, as mm-hmm. still being able to be friends while still having their own sort of personality and interest as well is really a key uh, really thing important. that the movie's going for. Yeah, because everything is set up, you know, like even when they meet Jamie Darden and they both go on exactly the same date with him. Yeah. It's really <laughs> funny. I mean, that's good stuff. Yeah. One of the things that, kills me though is this part where they go back they sneak back into the hotel they're in the pool they're reading the menu it's like okay we've got to keep a low profile here (laughs) and it says so what do you think it's like i think i'm gonna have the veal stuffed manatee (laughs) she goes oh and uh, i'll I'll do the fried bald eagle babies you know (laughs) because they don't want to eat the frog legs because that's that's cruel that would be cruel Yeah, it's really funny. I just think of Kermit with his little legs while he was riding the bike. This is one of those movies that you have to watch more than once to catch all of uh, all of that little those little funny things because there was so much that I I wanted to like write down. I was like, I can't write every single thing down because it's just everywhere in this movie. Uh, Exactly. I think I need to watch this movie with the subtitles on, frankly, Uh because there's stuff I'm no doubt missing because it just goes by so fast. You know, we're introduced to Richard Cheese. Now, Richard Cheese, I got to say, <laughs> Richard Cheese I didn't is know an he was a real actual, real lounge yeah. act uh, who kind of is sort of like the Weird Al Yankovic of lounge. He doesn't make parodies of the songs, like change the songs themselves, like the words and stuff. He actually just turns the music into lounge music 
he has an album called Lounge Against the Machine, which is covers of heavy metal songs um, <laughs> done a, as lounge act. So he nice. like uh, he does Disturbed's. Uh, I've heard this song. Uh, get down with the sickness. Like get up, mm-hmm. get down with the sickness. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 actually really 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 funny and i have a friend That's brilliant this is one of the things i actually heard about richard cheese which listen carefully think about what his name means richard what cheese. is a sh- what is a shortened name for yeah richard? so yeah so he's dick cheese and um <laughs> his i heard about this i when i worked the last church i worked at said, have you ever heard of Richard Cheese? And he told me about this guy, and I thought, this is brilliant. He played me some of his music. So he was a drummer at that church. But then I get, you know, I I still play music sometimes for a church I'm at. And I got a, a friend of mine who's the drummer in the band, one of the drummers at church. He asked me, so Brian, have you seen any good comedy movies? Because of course I'm the movie guy. And I said, well, have you seen Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? And he's like, no, I haven't. He's like, well, you're a Richard Cheese fan, right? He says, oh, hell yeah, I'm a Richard Cheese fan. (laughs) And so that was his hook to watch this movie was Richard Cheese. And his songs in this. And I didn't even know he's a real person. (laughs) The songs in this that he does are so funny because the first two are about boobs. (laughs) That they're just. Which I love, yeah. uh, This completely. mixed group of people just walking in and he's singing this this song about i like melons i like gazamba i like a winnebago's and 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 everyone's just walking around like this is completely normal and it's oh i love boobs uh, is the song so anyway and then the second one is boobies on vacation boobies in the afternoon boobies in the afternoon yeah (laughs) Uh, well, then they meet Edgar. And they meet Edgar. <laughs> I'm Edgar. Barb. I'm Star. What's your name? Star. Edgar. And then, yeah, You're in 611? In. We're in no, 124. That's, that's so funny. That's so funny. We're in 124. <laughs> I, I, so. <laughs> and they're being totally honest, I think. They're, yeah, I they're being totally the real in that. They're not yeah. trying to yeah. do anything funny. It's like because you think the joke is gonna be the thing the joke is gonna be oh we're in Seven Eleven or we're in Six Twelve or something like right. that but no they're completely opposite end of the building. That's that's just who Barb and Star are. I'm sorry, yeah. I think that's what it is. That's who Barb and Star are in Vista Star. Del Mar. And the way they both like Vista Del Mar like view they both get it wrong where it's like view of the mar or something and she's like view of this swordfish or <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's funny um but I, I love the whole thing it's like oh yeah she writes greeting par- cards for the middle age because you know we go through stuff and she stuff. she's the the whole thing about the umbrella with the holes in it i mean it's so horrible and and stupid <laughs> and just not helpful at all uh, but it's oh it's funny and i like the dynamic of just especially who they hired to play edgar mm-hmm. i think just makes it funnier <laughs> because yes. he's pretty much, i don't want to say anything bad about Kristen wick or amy miller or like i think just the way that their characters are 
you know, dressed and portrayed in this movie, like they're like middle aged, like older women, and yeah. Edgar is a young, hot dude, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's best and known so... he, before that. You know, he's the Fifty Shades of Grey guy, right? You know, that's his. Is he really? <laughs> I didn't that. I've never seen that. <laughs> I, have, I haven't either, but I'm just looking at his filmography, and okay, and yeah, he's Christian, he's Christian Grey, Grey. Oh, in, God. in the Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey trilogy, and so um, I didn't know that. Which, that's which I find really hilarious so i yeah and that's probably why he was cast even though he's been in other movies of course but that's just kind of the hilarious casting that they have there um his musical now okay so i I gotta (laughs) step back because this whole you know where they drink down the the treasure drink in one in just a you few minutes. You got to the treasure chest. Like, you got the to syrup the, in it. Yeah, we looked yeah, it all up. It's like, and you got to the one with the three pills in it. That was your treasure, and then they just they're stone. <laughs> I love the club version of "My Heart Will Go On." By I the way, know. <laughs> I was it's like, "Where has this sounding. been all my life?" Uh, this is what I want to listen to. If I listen to "My Heart Will Go On," is that not? I don't want to yeah. listen. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. But I, the, the one of the funniest cuts in the movie is when they wake up and they're stacked on top of each other. Edgar's <laughs> in between the two. Of them. I, I, yeah. And for some reason, They've I thought it was. They had a wild night together. They did. And for some <laughs> reason, that, I think that part, that shot is one of the reasons why I thought this movie was like R rated, super raunchy movie. But it's really, it's PG 13, which sort of shocked me. But because I remembered I it being much raunchier, and it still is kind of raunchy. Too. It's got enough to it that is pretty raunchy. I, w- I, I wonder they if there is an different R-rated words for things. Ones. Yeah, that, they yeah. Do. They use different words for things, I think, that would make it more PG-13 than R, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there, I imagine there is an R-rated version of this movie, too, though. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> that would be really, really funny. Uh, yeah. So that would be, you know, at least as good. So are we going to talk about... The, the, what, what is Sharon's evil plan, though, that Edgar's a part of? Oh, of course. So why is Jamie Dornan, <laughs> why is why is Edgar down in Vista Del Mar? What happens during this wild night? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's, leave, he's uh, in love with Sharon, the supervillain, also played by Kristen Wiig, who I didn't I didn't even realize that the first time I, I watched either. it. I didn't realize that. I looked at the credits. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that is her, isn't it? Well, then his casting also plays into the two of them because he's really in love with her. And like, they have that conversation about like, okay, so when I, I go through this plan of yours, we'll be an official couple. Right. And she's like, Oh, um, sure. <laughs> like she's yeah. clearly like, she doesn't want to be with him, even though he's super hot. <laughs> That's I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Something about that reminds me of Dr. Evil too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know the, with her, him and Frau, you know, the, absolutely. Oh, it got weird. <laughs> got weird uh, <laughs> but she has the plan to release these killer mosquitoes uh, at people um all the people of vista del mar <laughs> during the and seafood Edgar, festival the 49th the annual jam the seafood jam the 49th annual oh my gosh yeah. not even like the 50th the 49th no, the 49th <laughs> yeah. and edgar has the microchip in his belt that um, triggers the the whatever device it makes, that it lets will make the, device the work, yeah. mosquitoes attack. <laughs> and during the, his wild night with Barb and Star, he loses it from his belt, obviously, yes. because things come off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love um, 
Jamie Dornan's because he, he's talking on the phone with Sharon that he just falls down on the bed and they show him. Then he breaks into song is one of the funniest <laughs> things in the movie, I think. And he's on the, on the beach, you know, he's like, seagulls of the ocean, can you hear my prayer? <laughs> climbing up a tree like a cat in a tree. Let's to climb, climb a tree. A tree. <laughs> yeah. But I think what's one of the things that's really funny is, you know, that they both sort of fall for Edgar. Well, sure. Who wouldn't? And I always get confused who is who. <laughs> so, so <laughs> stars Barb, Kristen Wiig. Cr- stars Kristen Wiig, and so Barb sneaks out. And this has one of my funny, my favorite <laughs> lines here. Is is she's she's sort of sneaking by, and they and they show uh, Star writing the letter to him because okay, so Barb knows that Star is in love, or sort of infatuated at least with Edgar. They so both Barb, want to sneak out again to go They both see want to sneak out and see him. So she says she's going to take a bath and she overhears what she's saying in this writing in this letter and she says something like, "I don't even know where to begin. I was born in a hospital." I think <laughs> I love that. And is it here where he hears the uh gets the voice message from mm-hmm. Darley Bunkle? Yeah. And it's like this private number <laughs> that is private. Um, Actually, you so, showed up on my phone. Oh, damn it! Damn it! Um, damn it! Is one of the funniest. Yeah. So Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, is doing this <laughs> character. So He's hilarious in that. It's just that little role. It's like it's Darley Bunkle. Darley Bunkle. Is that your name? Damn it! Damn it. <laughs> it's private. <laughs> He's trying trying to be this uh, super spy, and he's just terrible at it. Um, which gets even funnier as it goes on because I mean the th- the thing is like uh, where he I, I had a yard sale and it was going really well so I had to sneak <laughs> out but and, he, and then he writes it and I couldn't get away so he had to, and he writes it in really big letters the microchip is in here <laughs> I know. but then it's really quiet darling buckle my height and weight and, and yeah. my my address and uh, so, and then damn and then it, at the bottom damn it. <laughs> Well, he tries to be like a good spy with, you know, the the cutout magazine letters on top. Like, look below. Right. right <laughs> lower. Right. Lower. Another one that says lower. And it's just this giant bag that anyone could see with this huge right. printing on it. Oh, it's so It's like funny. an oversized manila envelope. Yeah. So. And then they, th- I like, I do like that gag of it's the same date. Exactly the same day. They have the same ice cream. They walk on the same bridge. They do the paddle boat. They take the walk on the beach. They're saying the same thing. Same thing. Yes. Yeah. Because Barb is talking about her husband, um, Ray. uh, What was his last name again? Quicksilver. Ray Quicksilver, who was a rodeo rider, right? It's like, um, and then then Star talks about her husband too. But they they end differently, which is really funny. Yeah. Because Barb has this revelation. Oh, I can't. I lied to. I lied to Star, and I can't do that. I'm gonna leave. And then, just like, and then Star says essentially the same thing, but then says, "I need to but go." But then, I need to go. Which means we don't have. Which much, means we don't have much, we, we don't have much time. Much time. <laughs> let's go have. Let's go um, over. Let's go over to those stairs no. over those those uncomfortable looking stairs oh. over there. Yeah. Oh them. no, I wrote this one down because I liked it. Which means we don't have much time. Gosh, I need you inside me. Let's go make love against those hard wooden stairs. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you for letting me get all that out and ride you like that. It's, it's like that's why oh. I think that's some of that stuff was why I kind of thought this was raunchy too. But it's really, exactly it's like, wholesome, it's like wholesome raunchy. Yeah, because they're so upfront about it. It's right up to the edge. It's right <laughs> up to the edge of being R, but um, they manage to pull it off. It's like they restrain themselves just enough to get that PG thirteen, but barely, and it's really funny. <laughs> And then she's like, no, really, I got to go. And then she runs around, runs comes around. right back. After Let's one more do it time. one more time first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he's totally into that, too, which he's I think is He's falling really in love with her right away. Right away. <laughs> yeah. But I love the whole thing where they are lying to each other and they, and they talk about how they both the saw turtles. turtles. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I saw a turtle in the That's bathtub. That's in the tub. Yeah. And they believe each other in the tap because they don't lie to each other. (laughs) They don't lie to each other. We don't lie to each other. So uh, I think the sort of villain origin story that Sharon tells is really (laughs) hilarious because, you know, they used to I was born with a rare skin disease and I did. I can't even tell you what that was, but it's just really funny and obviously completely made up. Um, But the last word is skin. Skin-itis or something. So they're right. <laughs> like, exactly. Something totally dumb. So yeah. they used to be so cruel to me. They would call me names like Pale Girl, White and Devil, asshole. and Asshole. <laughs> but, oh, man. And um, how horrible were her parents, really, though, for her to have this skin condition where she's basically, like, what, allergic to sunlight, and they move her to Vista Del Mar. Exactly. In Florida. Yeah. <laughs> They're supposed to move her to, you know, if Twilight has taught us anything, it's you're supposed to move them to, <laughs> Go to Seattle, Forks, Washington, where the sun never shines and it's a horrible hellhole um, yep. because all of us in the Pretty Pacific much. Northwest are vampires and we just don't want to tell you. You're not? That's not true? Well, if I walk outside, I glitter. So um, anyway. Yeah, so I, mean, I just think that origin story is so funny. I mean, it's like her dad though; it seems like such a nice guy. He's always you know, try, yeah. trying, to, <laughs> trying to show her a good time, and she gets pulled up on stage by the mean girls. And well, first her her first true friend was eaten by an alligator, by an alligator. right in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, you know, it's a silly throwaway thing that also comes back. It comes back. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, she gets blasted out of the cannon and lands stark naked in the pool of a Disney cruise ship is is pretty just funny. Saying, just saying that out loud, like, if you haven't seen this movie and, like, if, some of, if you try and, like, tell, tell some of the plot points It's to like people, explaining like, a joke. It, it, yeah, yeah. It sounds so stupid, but it works and it's like, ugh. This is the yeah. kind of movie that you need sometimes. You know, yeah, like that's exactly. why this one is perfect. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't write a lot of notes. I'm finding myself I looking at this. The <laughs> next thing the next thing I got down to was cuz she's starting to pretend that she's Well, the next thing I have is boobies on vacation and boobies, boobies in the on afternoon. Vaca- boobies in the afternoon. It's the next that's song right. that comes up. <laughs> yeah. But where uh where they star, kind of separate. Uh star has she starts pretending that she has a fever so that she can go and um, have sex with uh, Edgar yeah. <laughs> all the time, pretty much, right? <laughs> but she comes down in, into the room and finds Barb, who has been, who put the thermometer in the curler, yeah. you know, warmer. And it's like, and she looks at it, yep, it's a fever, 137. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 
But she doesn't bat an eye about it no. either, which is really funny. So it's good that's stuff. Not, that's not Marvin Starr. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't bat an eye at that. <laughs> One of my favorite sequences of the whole thing is is where Barb is just kind of finding herself and trying yeah. all these different things. I love yeah. how she she's um, doing the, the, what, like the parasailing and the guy gives her a joint while they're parasailing is really funny and... Because uh, they're playing got, like this movie's got one of those characters that just one of those background characters that constantly yeah. shows up, and yeah. this one it's the guy in the speedo. <laughs> it's the guy in the speedo, yeah. But I, I think you know they're playing. I think "Pineapple Princess" is the song. It's really funny. Um, but there, where she goes and she's riding that little moped and she's hanging out with the hippies and she's got the unshaven armpits and everything all yes. of a sudden, <laughs> and they're like really unshaven and they've only been there a couple of days, right? And she does the big <laughs> where she jumps over the canyon or whatever on her moped. Yeah. Um, but where she meets Tommy Bahama, I think is <laughs> that's whole scene. It's just so random and so funny. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm trying to another great cameo. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's Andy Garcia, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I almost didn't recognize him because it took me a second. I, Cause he's, you know, he's, People do this, uh, weirdly. They get older. And um, I haven't seen him in a movie in a while. And so seeing him with the gray beard and everything mm-hmm. and the and the hat was just really hysterical. And what he says to her, you must find your shimmer. And it's just around the corner for you. It's like, how do you know about my shimmer? And what's your name? Tommy. Tommy Bahama. <laughs> it's just so random and so bizarre. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I just love that. The best cut probably in the movie is when she just goes, what, what the, the fuck? Fu-? And then it cuts to Kristen Wiig talking with Edgar and she sneezes and goes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how they snuck their, their fuck into it, um, yep. which is pretty funny. And I like that. those sort of moments where this, because isn't this the moment where she's on the beach with. Yeah. Edgar. Your favorite line. And yeah, it's like, you know, that last position, your dong went so deep. Um, your dong went so deep, I think it touched my heart. Which is so funny, but also kind of sweet in it this is. weird way. And she says, um, it's just like it's her way of saying I love you. And it's right. just and you get it. It's like it's her also saying, you know, to take it the the deep way. That's what she said. Right. Uh, it's that he's awakened, you know, something within her, like revived her. So because she says something to start earlier. That Barb, she star. <laughs> she says something right. to Barb earlier. That's like, you know, men find me disgusting. Like no one, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't been with anybody since my husband. Like nobody wants me. And like, so this. I love that this, whole line about. Affair. I love that line where she says, um, "My toes haven't grown since I was a baby." Seriously, they're like little grains of rice down there. <laughs> Don't look. <laughs> Don't look. But she could be a model for the Kirkland brand. She could be a model for, for Costco. You could totally model for Chicos, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I'm talking Costco, the Kirkland brand. The Kirkland brand? Got a shout out for my local Star. boys. Yeah, so 
So the way that Barb is growing, you know, separate from Star, like mm-hmm. having all these adventures and stuff, Star is doing the same thing with with Edgar and finding yeah. that part of herself again. And this is when <laughs> this line is her way of expressing that. Yeah, beautiful. It's, it's funny, <laughs> and yeah, but the the conversation with the crab is pretty. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Morgan Freeman. It's like <laughs> I've lived a long life. I've been to jail. I even drove an old lady around and taught her about (laughs) tolerance. But now I'm going back to the ocean, never to return again. Goodbye, me. (laughs) It's just, it's, again. It's like totally nonsensical, but it's played out like it's nothing weird at all, like within the confines of this movie. And (laughs) that's what makes it even funnier. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, then the whole line about how, you know, they the one thing that they were going to do together was take a banana boat ride together. Mm -hmm. And so Barb is about to go on. She's talking to, I don't know, the person at the shell. Yeah. Yeah. Belief it or not. Anyway, sorry. That's a that's a different part of the movie. Uh, but where she's going to take the banana boat ride by herself because you know the tour guide says, "Yeah, it's a real tit flapper." Yep. Um, so which is which is the big line from this movie? And I looked at several letterbox reviews, and almost all of them said, "Yeah, this movie's a lot of it's fun. A real, a tit, real flapper. tit flapper." Nice. <laughs> Because you know, those, I mean, those are the two things I remember the most. I was like, "Yeah, this movie's a real tit flapper." It sure gave me a soul douche. Yeah, it remembered. sure gave me a soul douche. Yeah, but the but it's just yeah, I just love that Richard Cheese. His music always lifts me up, and he's singing this song about how everybody he knows is dead. Uh, and it's like, well, that one's a bit of a guys departure he went to high for school him. with are dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was a bit of a departure for him, you know, but otherwise, you know, um, but then this is where she, this is where the, this is the crack comes yeah, and their yeah, friendship. Yeah. But you don't definitely don't want to see between Barb and Star when no. Barb sees Star with Edgar up on the balcony. Yeah. Obviously not sick with the flu. Right. She lied. She lied. But then I think Barb they both was lied. feeling a little guilty because she did too. They both and, she was going to go on the banana boat ride without her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where she's listening at the door, right? Yeah. She's so. hearing him talk. And then the people ask, oh, I love that necklace. Where did you get it? Belief it or not. It's just, <laughs> Belief it or not. It's a pun. It's a pun on leaves. <laughs> um, so this is where the whole thing, Sharon puts the whole throws the monkey wrench into the works here when she says that Barb and Star were spies working yeah. <laughs> for her, uh, which is, of course, not true at all. Um, they, mm. Yeah, she knows. I assume that it's uh, Damon Wayans Jr.'s character that is the spy, or is it, yeah. you know, because who's taking the pictures and everything? Is it, Okay, but is he working against her or... He's working against her, right? I guess. I guess I, you're I guess right. He, I guess so, he used to work for do her. They, maybe. Do they reveal who her spy is? That was. Is I, it don't, I think she's just making that up. Yeah, because someone was taking all the pictures and stuff and sent it to him. Or was I don't that know. him? I'm confused. <laughs> I don't because know. Because I'm not. I'm not I think sure. About that. Because I don't know if they ever reveal who that was. Now that I think of it, but oh well. <laughs> maybe it was Unless Tommy he's Bahama. Being like, 
<laughs> Unless Bunkle is being like a double spy. Double agent. That could be. Double agent? Yeah. I don't that, know. That's possible, I suppose. But it's just, it's just I mean, this kind of movie, really. the plot doesn't have to wait, make 100% right. sense. You know, that's not right. really the point at all. Um, so I guess maybe we found a plot hole. Oh, well. No biggie. Ah, um, okay. But. And someone's probably listening to this going, no, it was this or that. It was like, okay, well, sorry, we Whatever. missed it. Yeah. We missed it. Um, <laughs> you know, there's another, there's a joke in here that I really love when they show um, Yo-Yo, like, driving the submarine. Yeah. And <laughs> Little another movements. one of those things that nobody talks about, but everybody notices, and they finally pointed it out when she tells him when he's driving the submarine, like, don't hold the steering wheel completely still. Make sure to make... Little, movement. little movements. Don't hold it too straight. Little yeah. movements from left to right. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. It's <laughs> so funny. It's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I like how they let Edgar have his origins, villain origin story too, when he ties them both up, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's talking about how he fell in love with Sharon, which. I don't know if I love, I mean, honestly, if I was going to have a villain name, I would probably choose something different than Sharon. Sharon, (laughs) except Gordon Fisherman is pretty funny. Sharon Gordon Fisherman, the Gordons Fisherman. I just, that just dawned on me this second, which is like a forehead slapping moment saying, duh. Like the the brand of seafood, isn't that Gordon? Yeah, 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 I know, but it's It's with a T. (laughs) It's not the same, but yeah. it's close enough. (laughs) Maybe that's the part of the joke is that her name is just Sharon and not like Miss Doctor Evil. Evil. Yeah. Miss Evil. <laughs> yeah. I I don't even remember his origin story really because the visual gag of them trying to escape get from out the of the ropes, ropes is really good too. It, it is, and they keep stopping like when when he looks in their direction and the ropes yeah. in a different place. Yes, that's it perfect. <laughs> then you know I guess. One of the things I think is funny, it's like, we need your jet ski. They run out and get to the, I know I'm skipping some stuff. Where they go to, it's like, stop right there. I don't need to hear any more. It's yours. <laughs> That's, I love that so That's much. Good too. It's so good. Um, and they, Cause they're driving out into the ocean to try and stop the mosquitoes and yeah. from reaching <laughs> land and everything. They're going to throw the device In, that will. <laughs> into the sea yeah yeah i, I don't really sure. understand how all that's supposed <laughs> to work but you know because wouldn't the mosquitoes go to land anyway i i don't know unless they're I like are they programmed <laughs> like microchips somehow i, I don't know but w- whatever uh it doesn't really matter <laughs> again it's not really the point oh geez i missed a i sort of missed a, over a few things here because they get captured by because okay okay edgar leaves yeah. They get captured by Sharon, who, because the they're cliff, still yeah. fighting at this point. They're still angry with each other. And they t- she takes about her, them up on the cliff. It's like, you can either jump off hitting every rock on the way down, which is a callback to a conversation earlier in the movie about Trish. And then, oh, it is. Or you can get, <laughs> or you can get eaten by these very hot, hungry alligators, which they could probably just walk around. Honestly, <laughs> it looks like there's enough They're space. Fast. Yeah, They're pretty yeah. fast on land, though, dude. <laughs> yeah, okay. Those things will get you. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I think one of the funniest things the first time I saw this was when they jump off the edge. I know. And then you hear this. Whoosh, whoosh, 
sound. <laughs> and they're floating down. That was one of the alternate posters is is them up in the corner with just these culottes that are filled with culotte. air. The culotte you know, parachutes. <laughs> the culotte parachutes coming down. What You know what we should wear tonight? Our evening culottes. Our evening culottes, yes. Oh, they make denim culottes now. All weather. But yeah, it's... I actually skipped ahead because I missed all of that because it's after this that they go after the, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, Edgar finds out that Sharon's been lying to him and they weren't actually spies and he's still in love with with Star. So he's going to do what he can to save them. And yeah, he's I love the the fight that he gets in (laughs) with. uh, I keep on forgetting the name because it's so complicated. Um Darley Bunkle. Darley Bunkle? Yeah. I don't know what it is about that name that doesn't stick in my head. But <laughs> that's Bunker at first. Yeah. Where, where, they're, where they're like flipping over each other in yeah. the sand. It's hilarious. I like when they first meet and he's like got the chef hat on and yeah. the mask. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to escape now very stealthily. And then he just goes into the kitchen here, a loud crash. Crash. Like, <laughs> and I. And then when they see him on the beach, it's like, you didn't know who I was because of these sunglasses and this shirt. Because it's the big be- woman, those... woman in a bikini shirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, typical tourist yeah. shirt. <laughs> you know, something about stuff. the, when you just mentioned that the sound effect from their culottes. <laughs> yeah. There's another funny gag on that. Um, I don't know, just kind of like on using weird sound effects like some, like you would expect this movie to do, but then it doesn't. Like when um, Star is talking to Edgar and she kind of like shakes her head mm-hmm. and his cell goes, phone rings. Yeah. And you you actually think for a second that you're like, wait, what? For a second that they did that. They use like a weird sound effect. But then they make a joke on. It's the bewitch sound effect of her nose. Yeah. Her nose twisting. Yeah. That's true. I didn't think about that. But I just thought that was funny because, like, because you, you think that they actually went too so far in this movie. Because yeah. why not? Why wouldn't they to have weird sound effects like that and then they make a joke out of that? Even honestly, that's a Simpsons joke because one of the rules with the Simpsons was that they would use only real sound effects. They wouldn't okay. use you know bongs and boinks like were in other mm-hmm. cartoons. So there was a time. I can't even remember the situation where they did that, where they actually used like a cartoony sound effect. Right. But it was because of someone's cell phone or something like that. Uh, so it was, That's so it's I, kind okay. of drawn right. from that, that sort of humor. Um, so I, I, I love that kind of callback. I don't know that. It, I mean, the Simpsons is so pervasive. I mean, the kind of style of humor that, was invented for that show really um it's sort of become comedy standard now for a long time so it's found its way into lots of other things but um i love that kind of thing that it does and Mm -hmm. um you know obviously ultimately they save the day and they (laughs) ride back into shore on this i got my labia pierced i got my labia pierced i took it out immediately took it out immediately it's like no it's and like then my, later on my labia is still pierced and it hurts real bad on this yeah. on the jet ski <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny but i mean when they're underwater it's like i love you and this is it we're all gonna die and it's it's great but then they come 
skating in. It looks like they're on dolphins or something like that. But no. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, they, they come into shore and they're sort of whisked onto shore. And it's Reba McIntyre as this water spirit Trish. named Trish. It's Trish. It's Trish. <laughs> that's just so, that's just Another too stupid, cameo. too funny. Just like, yeah. yes, it just makes it even per- more perfect that exactly. they got somebody like Reva McIntyre. Yeah, she's <laughs> perfect for it too. Right? She's perfect for that. She uh, has that kind of energy and spirit. Yeah. Her. Uh, but when she gets back on shore and says to Edgar, I love you with all my fart. I mean heart. <laughs> oh, did I do that? Heart. Oh. You know, and she's like, I ruined it. And but and then oh there's um, another funny moment like during the little montage between the two of them when uh star and edgar were like slathering sunscreen yeah all over them they were completely covered do you know do you know what that how did they not break up laughing during that well here's the thing jamie dornan's casting in this i I tell you what it reminds me of it reminds me a little bit of chris hemsworth being cast in ghostbusters yeah because it's this serious this actor known for this serious, very sort of stoic role put into the most insane kind of situation. And I think that uh-huh. actually, because frankly, the my favorite thing about the Ghostbusters remake is Chris Hemsworth. I think he's so hilarious, hilarious. in that, yeah. in that. Um, and I, I like that movie overall, I got to say. That's, I you know, I'm, I'm not a basher of that movie, but I think that- that casting is kind of inspired and same here with Jamie Dornan. I think just putting him in this role where he is still sort of a straight man, but doing the most insane things is Mm -hmm. really, really funny. So when Sharon comes back on shore, she, she's taken the antidote. The antidote was that was in uh, Edgar's thing was just, she tricked me again. It's just (laughs) lemon infused iced tea. Uh, so she took the real antidote. So she survives the mosquito attack, comes up on shore. It's like, it looks like you just need a friend. Friend? Friend? And I hate that word. It's like, friend is the best word of all. I think that's Which, great. you know what, is the real message of this movie. Yep, it is. And there's, I think there's truly a lot that you can kind of learn from and love about like seeing a relationship like Barb and Stars as like goofy and kind of exaggerated as it is. Yes. It's still like a wholesome accepting like I'm I'm never going to lie to you like you're my best friend and I don't ever want to lose you so like even their fight that they have like doesn't last very long. It's not that serious because Mm-mm. they are they have too much of a connection to let Edgar really come between them. You know, yeah, that's that's a very it's a very rare kind of friendship. There, I mean, there are obviously yeah. like I think real friendships that are similar to this. Sure, that that's a rare and actually really wonderful thing if you can find your other person as much yeah. as you know Barb and Star are the same person. <laughs> you know, but I also like how at the end here you have. Like we've kind of already said, you've got Star has found this connection yeah. with Edgar, but it doesn't mean that Barb is now going to be pushed aside. But yeah. Barb is also like, I'm a phoenix. Ha-hoo-ya! Um, <laughs> you know, so you have that going on as well. And then Sharon, I'll be your friend. Uh, everyone saying, I'll be your friend. It's like, and Edgar, um, 
well, it's kind of weird, but yeah, I guess I'll be your friend too. <laughs> you know, even after all I've done with for to you, you would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that <laughs> and so that changes her evil heart to gold, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, but the, friend the, really is the best word of all, I would friend say. Friend really is the best <laughs> word of all. Yeah. And but I do like how they are still a friendship unit but with this sort of they're no longer identical people by the end. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably the deepest message of the movie. And it's sort of, you know, Trish says that at the end and Yeah. a little bit. It's like, I hope we all learn something. Um yeah. <laughs> But then they got their they, shimmer they, back. They got their shimmer back, even if it was just from a reflection. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then everyone's then, like, "No, don't, don't, don't tell don't, him. Don't tell him. Don't <laughs> tell him. Yeah, it's don't like, know. oh, and then they take the banana boat ride together, and they were right. Yep, it was a real tit flapper. <laughs> <laughs> they rode. They rode that together for hours. So, oh my god, this movie is just kind of amazing, honestly. <laughs> It is. And, and I, I remember when this came out, too. This came out at a time when I think everybody and I I remember really needing a movie like this. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this was the first sort of works. joyous movie that came out as yeah. the pandemic was sort of, you know, at least the end of the worst was in sight. Um, you know, vaccines were starting to come out, as I recall, and things like that. So sort of being able to get outside again was starting to become a possibility uh right. you know for a lot of people just not having to isolate all the time and so having a movie that was so thoroughly about friendship and a friendship that was just couched in this incredibly ridiculous comedy scenario uh just kind of was a lovely thing so and the movie itself, oh God, we didn't really talk about it too much, but like the production value is oh gosh, amazing. I, it is like I was so saying, colorful. That, mid, that sort of that, mid to big-ish budget. That for a comedy, yeah. this is a bigger budget movie, clearly. And that is, you the, don't see it that as hotel, much. The hotel, the costumes, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, there's so much like blues and pinks and things. Yeah. I watched a couple of- I love of, movies like that. I watched a couple of things on the- um, not a lot of them, but on the DVD, there was a special feature about the making of the movie. And they talked a little about the production design. It's like the way they wrote the lair and the script was just like a room with a bearskin rug and candles everywhere. And then the production, as it actually ended up being, was just like this elaborate, like everyone wanted to just hang out in the lair because it was so cool, <laughs> nice. you nice. know. And it was big, you know, was one of the things that wasn't really expected for a movie like this. So for it to be able to get the budget to show all that was pretty cool. And to have a really good time with it. And yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. I was very happy to watch this again, too. Especially after this week. Yeah, (laughs) This was the perfect time to do this. Yeah, I had watched it again not that long ago, but I was uh, ready to give it another go. So I know we sort of just... uh, we haven't done a lot of recommendations recently, but I actually have a couple. They probably go more with the simple favor okay. than Barb and Star. I mean, frankly, Barb and Star, I don't know. I don't know. But I just wrote down a whole bunch of movies. Let me see if I can find them. Oh, here they are. So the ones that came to mind as I was watching this were A Simple Plan, 
Gaslight, Diabolique, and Double Indemnity just kind of nice. all <laughs> came to mind. I was like, those would just be fun to watch with it. But then um, I also realized, you know, with the true crime and the podcast, I know it was a vlog in the movie, but the only Murders in the Building series is uh, would be actually would actually the first I've only watched the first season I've started the second but I haven't really continued with it uh, but I think it's a show that you would like a lot I know honestly. a couple of people have told me that yeah. yeah it interrogates the true crime thing a little bit but it's not but it's in a really really fun way like a, a simple favor is too so cool. I guess that would be my ultimate recommendation would just say yeah watch the first season of only murders in the building and yeah if you like it you know there is a second season out there too i'll definitely have to give that a swatch soon yes i didn't think about any kind of recommendation or none of the movies i watched uh this week really go with that at all it'll just bring us down so in a really really weird way (laughs) and it's a totally different tone but it's about people on vacation in a sort of tropical-ish place. I saw Infinity Pool. Uh, this We're recording this on the opening weekend of Infinity Pool. And boy, that would make a really, really weird double. But hey, you, <laughs> <laughs> there is this a I don't even bit. know what that's about. There, well, the, it's there, a Cronenberg thing. So. <laughs> well, it's a Brandon Cronenberg Jun- thing. So yeah, it's, it's, a, br- yeah, it's some, a junior. Yeah. But he's uh, still just as weird. So <laughs> he's got some really weird stuff that he explores in this. But honestly, there is sort of this element of being at a resort on this tropical vacation mm-hmm. and going through adventures. <laughs> there is that. Sure. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that what we have planned for next time, I was excited about the original idea, but then the change is even like more inspired. <laughs> So, I mean, I can't believe we're doing this. I feel kind of wrong about this. It is a little bit wrong. wrong. But (laughs) that's what makes it great, I think. (laughs) So, I know you talked about not announcing this, but I think we should. I think we should just do this. I think we should make it official. Commit to it. Commit to it. So, originally, okay, this week did female buddy movies. We're moving on, or female friendship movies. We're moving on next week, next time, to... Male friendship movies. So, not kid. You know, another I do like Stand by Me or something like that. But we'll do that another time. Yeah. But the original one from you was going to be something else. But I think that this is better. This is even better. So, what <laughs> what is your male bonding friendship movie that we're gonna we're gonna bring to discuss next time? This is actually a movie that I I truly really love, and I'm I'm. We were going to talk about it we for something else. We were going to do it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what. We the were going to do it on was. summer. It was summer vacation. I was right. going to bring up. I, it was. It was an episode. We ended up doing the episode, except you changed yours to uh, something much nicer. Uh, don't tell mom <laughs> yeah. the babysitter's dead. That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I was excited to talk about this uh, then. But I. <laughs> Like I said, this feels wrong, but I'm very excited to talk about it, especially with your pick. Um, my movie for this is going to be from 1972, Deliverance. <laughs> Deliverance. <laughs> Which, yes, it brings up like a lot of diff- a lot of thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. especially you know about a certain scene in the movie. Yeah, but it's actually yep. genuinely a super. It's a great movie. It's a great movie about male friendship and yeah. and bonding, and it's just also just a 
generally well-executed film that I really love. It's one of the best American movies ever made. And I don't I mean, think kind of. that can be taken away. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm, I actually picked up the Blu-ray when we were going to talk about this before. So I'm excited to talk about it again. Uh, well, I mean, actually talk about it this time. So uh, we'll reveal what our original plan was. Cause I think that was a pretty good double too, but the movie that I am bringing to the table the ultimate film of male friendship <laughs> that I would like to discuss along with deliverance <laughs> is from, um, I'm sorry, I got to get the date on this real quick. I'm going to try and guess. 90. From 1990. No, 1996. Beavis and Butthead do America. Oh my God. That's right. What's wrong with us? We're going out. <laughs> On an adventure with, from, you know, with the most insane, this is like the most insane double I think we've ever come up with. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is on a level, and this is even more insane than the original one. I think so. Know, <laughs> but this is great. This is, I'm, seriously, if, if Lindsay Wilkins does not, like, scream at this double feature, <laughs> we're not, we're doing something wrong, because this seems like something that she would just jump on. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> um, we, we hope we did you proud, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, this is up there with Singing in the Rain and One Cut of the Dead. Uh, right. Or, you know, Ed Wood, Shadow of the Vampire. This is a... This is a good double feature right here. So I'm excited. And there's actually, I think, more in common with this than there is with uh, the original pick. So I think so. Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, this will be fun. <laughs> this will be wild. Um, yeah. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a real tit flapper. It's going to be a real tit flapper. So, all right. Uh, shall we do socials real quick here? Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> So uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at BrianWaves42. And you can find me on Instagram at Michelle Aiken. And you can find the show, which thanks to uh, Mr. Musk's war on bots, we have lost <laughs> a massive number of followers. No, um, we yeah. have? We were up to 921. We are currently at 864. Um, so, yeah, we lost a lot of followers. I think it probably is mostly those bots. Uh, so, yeah. um, so I liked some of those bots, no, though. Yeah. <laughs> no big loss. But we're going to – it had my hopes up thinking we could get to 1,000. But now I'm just hoping that we can get back up to 900. So <laughs> right. if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, I hope you will at movie life pod uh we'll try and i've got i've got a couple of digital codes that i'd like to give away before too long here so maybe that can help get some people to follow us there if you're interested and yeah so that'll yeah and you can also follow us on instagram at movie life yep. pod as well Alrighty. any last lines we want to we want to say hope you enjoyed your soul douche yeah i don't know that's not very good <laughs> That was a good soul douche for me, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> we laughed a lot. We, we yeah. laughed a lot and had a lot of fun. So hopefully uh, you enjoyed yeah. it as well. And we will do what? We will see you all next time. <laughs>